tell you the honest truth, watching Great British Bake Off was the highlight of my week. Yeah, because Great British Bake Off is the greatest it's thing good. in reality. Hey, everybody, it's the Boy Hattie Podcast with your friends Annie and Bill. And since it is now uh, Great British Bake Off season, get ready for us to talk about nothing but the goddamn A Great lot British of Bake breakings. Off. Oh. The only terrible thing is, is if you live in the States, it's really hard to get your hands on the Great British Bake Off because yeah. they don't show it. Uh, at best, like six months after it airs everywhere else in the world, PBS may show it in some yeah. territories, but yeah. that's like six months later. Yeah. And even then, it's edited, and who knows if you're actually going to watch it. Yeah. I d- and I, the, you, the American edit is not as good as the British edit. The, yeah, the edit it, and the, it's not even like available on iTunes legally. No. So you have to, like, if you want to keep up with us, you have to go out of your way to, li- to legally download this shit. Yeah. And just kind of like. But here's the thing for, the, for something called the Great British Bake Off, <laughs> it's not exactly like. Y'all know how I feel about pirating. I'm not a big fan of the internet dumpster. I feel like, you know, I know enough artists where I'm like, I really believe in paying artists. people for their work. No, but seriously, motherfucker, you gotta artists. pay for what you believe people in or it doesn't draw exist anymore. cartoons are not artists. You gotta pay for the shit you like or you like shit you like doesn't exist. You gotta vote yeah. with your dollars. Oh, it seems like British Bake Off is doing it's, fine with us. We didn't know this existed until like a year ago. My point is, is that it is so good that I, Bully and I keep talking about it and she's like, you know I would pay like $5 an episode, right? Yeah, I don't even know if it's that good or if it's just so cozy. It's, it's like a the blanket. Most soothing shit. Sometimes a blanket doesn't necessarily have to be super warm yeah. and like quality blanket as yeah. long as it's soft and fuzzy. Sometimes enough. it can be a little scratchy and sometimes yeah. you know, it's just not it's like, a little coarse. It's like it's dating so... someone with giant tits or a big dick where you're like, the person itself isn't that interesting, but this one part is like, mm, how you doing? Really? I don't know. What I is guess. the one part of Great British Bake Off? What is the big dick of the Great British Bake Off? Is, what is, is the big Paul tits Hollywood? of the Great British Bake Off? Because well, that's the thing. It's not, <laughs> it is the opposite of that because it is this wonderful It is all whole. good. It's it not is like, a holistic. It's it's all fun. Yeah. The attitude and everything is so nice. It's just, it's kind. I bought the soundtrack this week. Wait, there's a soundtrack you can buy? There's a soundtrack for $10 an iTunes. That is the only legal thing. Even the cookbooks. So there's a whole bunch of Great British Bake Off cookbooks. Yeah. Which they are barely ever in stock on Amazon. Yeah. So good luck even finding that. So this, they've made it impossible to throw any official money at the Great British yeah, Bake Off. As an unless you buy a $10 soundtrack on iTunes. I'm buying it right now. Well, I bought that just so we'd have the music to play on the podcast <laughs> this week. But See, I, there is one uh, one song on, that they use a lot in the Great British Bake Off that sounds one? so much like fable music. The funny thing is not all the music is on the soundtrack because I think they've had two separate composers. And so this yeah. is all the music by one guy. Well, uh, the only one I really distinctly remember was it does, yeah, it sounds totally like what's the forest in Fable? Yeah, yeah, like the like the summer wood or whatever. Yeah, you know what I Yeah, every time I'm like, oh, it's like my warm fuzzy make off Fable thing. Yeah, it's very so English. warm fuzzy kind of. Yeah, so good. Not in an imperialistic let's put down the Indians kind of way. Any kind of Indian will put them down. You're indigenous. Fuck you. Hey everybody. Uh, yeah, we're here to talk to y'all about more bullshit. We shouldn't talk too much. Much about Bake Off because it is so irrelevant to so many of our listeners. Well, that's the thing. We're not. I'm. We're, we're just expressing our appreciation yeah, for the fact promise. that it's back. And I will say this: I was delighted because usually, you know, it's like any any elimination style reality show. It is a reality show. Yeah, it's competition based. Where you have a roster of people, and invariably, you're not going to like them all. And this is the first time where I liked all of them except for one, and that was the first person to be eliminated. <laughs> You were like, even when you were watching it, you were like, fuck this person. I don't hate this person, but this, this person has no, and there's nothing interesting well, about them other than they wear a hat. That person felt like a Portland punchline. Yeah. And that made me hate them. And they got booted off and like now it's reduced down to the good. Like, now it's only people I want, who whom I'm genu- genuinely invested in. There is an in. alarming number of uh, sexually attractive people <laughs> on this. Because you 
like of, of different. Oh, it's great. It's good. You've got a Bake Paul off, Hollywood so clone. I love that there is a tall, uh, silver white man named Paul. People have never actually watched the show, which is probably most of our most listeners. Of y'all, yeah. Paul Hollywood is one of the two judges on the show. He's this. Take a moment to Google image search Paul Hollywood, and you will like see why I'm really werewolf. interested. In the show. He's got these piercing blue eyes. Uh-huh. He's like six feet tall. He looks like a bear. Uh huh. Like gray hair, but like short cropped, mm-hmm. and he just looks like he's going to eat you rather mm-hmm. than the pastry you just mm-hmm. gave him. And the other judge is Mary Berry, who's just a little who's old like, lady. She's like, she's like the platonic grandma. Yeah. Like in, in like, she's funny and she's smart and, and she's kind. Slightly alcoholic. Because any, anytime <laughs> anyone puts yeah. booze in their pastry, she's like, oh. Mary Boozy Berry. Oh, yeah. It. Anyway, we shouldn't spend too much time on it, but it's real good. I'm really excited about the season. It's, it's good. Be so yeah. good. Oh, boy. But Bill, other than get really excited about the Great British Bake Off. That's it. That was it. Everything else is just garbage. I this watched week. the Star Wars prequel. Well, I watched episodes one and two this week because oh, Jimmy and Conley boy. are doing uh, the first of August started mm-hmm. their canonical rewatch of all the current canonical Star Wars stuff that still exists, mm-hmm. which means it's only just the prequels, the Clone Wars, and Star Wars Rebels. Okay. And so we're also watching it chronologically, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Google calendar that uh, Jimmy and Conley made up that I'll have to link in the show notes if you want to play along mm-hmm. and, and if you hate yourself as much right. as we do. Yeah. I mean, it does. It is nice that you get, like, the worst of all Star Wars out of sure. the way in the first two prequels, especially Attack of uh, uh, the Clones. Attack of the Clones. Would you say that the Clone Wars movie is better than Attack that, of the Clones. I didn't even, oh, Jesus, I didn't even think about that. I mean... That actually maybe in terms of, like, the movies Attack uh-huh. of the Clones... It's funny, because everyone rips on uh, The Phantom Menace as being the worst Star Wars movie, because it was so disappointing. Yeah. The Phantom Menace at least is has kind of, like, an awful charm to it. At yeah. least it kind of holds together it's, as a movie a little bit. It's, it's a, uniformly awful, too. Yeah. Whereas Attack of the Clones, what it's... I mean, it's a big old stinker, but what really is just the deuce in the middle of the bad like the rotten pie is fucking Anakin and Padme's watching relationship. Again last night too, especially this is funny because I've been watching a lot of Titanic. <laughs> because I watched. Why well, even talked about this last week? Yeah, I yeah, watched yeah. Titanic on Netflix because yeah. it was leaving Netflix. Yeah. And then like I was looking up uh, Titanic stuff online, you know, facts and stuff about the movie, and I was like, oh man, there's actually it sounds like there's a lot of features on the Blu-ray, and I bought the <laughs> oh, Blu-ray. No, <laughs> a Titanic and they actually have some like actual documentaries oh, yeah, no. about uh, histor- actual historical stuff. And I'm sure the stuff around the craft of the film is Yeah, and so that meant I spent the whole week kind of watching the making of that stuff and like Titanic's not a good movie. Titanic's mm-hmm. a bad movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to say bad, but it's not necessarily a good movie. But as funky as Titanic is and then going from that to Attack of the Clones and seeing how much worse that relationship is in Attack of the Clones, it's just like fucking night and day. Because at least Titanic, at least there is chemistry between these two stars. Sure. At least the characters are at least amusing by themselves and as a couple. Yeah. Whereas in, yeah, Attack Attack of the Clones, it's just... It's you don't even there's no even justification for Padme to be want to be in love with Anakin. And yeah. Anakin's a, right from the opening scene, Anakin's just like keeps on staring at her and talking yeah. about how much he dreams about being with her again. Yeah. And right out of the fucking starting gate, there's not even a moment where you get to like uh, catch up with Anakin now that he's an adult and see what yeah. kind of person that is. Sure. And then he explains like, oh, maybe I'm, I've still got a crush on. Yeah. Padme, though, like his first line in the movie is like, I want to fuck Padme so hard. I've been thinking I haven't seen her. He might, he might as well have his dick in his hands while he's talking to Obi Wan in the elevator, <laughs> yeah. just kind of like, yeah. You think she's up and there? And the thing is, is that, it's, like, it's, I've been thinking a lot lately about bad relationships in media and how it's not that you can't depict unhealthy, bad relationships. Oh, yeah. Me, not all relationships should be great. No, and in yeah. fact, you can tell good stories about bad relationships. I was thinking about this because um, I saw somewhere that some theater was putting on a production of Carousel, which is one of my least, I would say, is 
my least favorite musical I know of all you time. Hate that. I always forget exactly what's. Isn't it like the? the it's, it's like domestic violence. Yes, that's why I hate it. So the story of Carousel, just to recap real quick, and then I'll get to my point. Yeah. Dude meets lady. Dude abuses lady. Dude gets lady pregnant. She loves him anyway. You're talking about Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, he, in an attempt, he realizes that he's a bad man. In an Does attempt he lose his arm to, to the carousel? In an attempt to <laughs> uh, uh, help his wife and to, soon-to-be-born child, tries to rob someone to get money. In the process, um, he fumbles the act, commits suicide, goes to heaven. <laughs> Heavens looks at him and says, "You deserve another chance." Sends him back down to Earth. It is like his daughter's now, like, she's graduating from elementary school or something. Oh, so it's been like 20 years. It's been okay, a long yeah. time. And he goes up to his daughter and tries to interact with her. And she's like, stranger danger, no thank you, tries to leave. <laughs> he gets so mad, he hits her and leaves. As a ghost? As a, Well, he's like some semi-corporeal. He's been brought back, yeah. He's it's been brought like back. It's a wonderful life bullshit. And yeah. the little girl goes to the mother and says, mother, mother, is it possible for someone to hit you? And it feels like a kiss. Oh, yeah, okay. She looks off the, and that's goes. That's Remember from it's this. not. It's not the exact line because it looks. But up, it's something. But yeah. that's a, I mean, yeah. it's not not the exact line either. And the mother looks off and goes, "Yes, fade to black." That is literally just carousel. I just described to you carousel. So I was thinking but that's about still, it. That's supposed but, to be. They're presenting that as a good relationship. Though, yes. Right? Yeah. So that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like there's. It's not like Wuthering Heights, for example, is a great piece of literature. But no one during Wuthering Heights goes, "Man, that Heathcliff <laughs> and Catherine, they yeah. really got it right." I'm I'm fascinated by media that shows bad relationships, but there's a total like. Not even an awareness, like, oh yeah, we're showing this as positive, but it's really poison. It's like like fucking Twilight and shit, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just it's fascinating. It's fascinating to me. So that's what I was thinking about with fucking Attack of the Clones, where it's like this bad relationship that they that the storytellers think is a really good relationship. Yeah, it's like this epic, but like, they don't sweeping. sell it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, at least in Carousel, you get they're upset. They're like, they're, it's totally fixated each other. Like Romeo and Juliet, you know, they're young people and they're in lust. And like fucking Wuthering Heights, they're like totally like torn up in each other. And like th- these are stories about awful relationships. Is he abusive in Wuthering Heights? Is that what it is? He's generally yeah, abusive. All I know, oh man, I all I know about uh, Wuthering Heights is like a couple jokes about Heathcliff being an asshole and like he's supposed to be brooding, like brucolic. I can't bucolic, remember bucolic? if. I can't remember if he ever beats Catherine, but he beats everybody but, else. <laughs> it's like, well, that's the thing. It's out of the clones. It's not even, like, not only is oh, it sure. a terrible relationship, it's not, but it's yeah. like, as a portrait relationship, it's uh, incomplete because you don't even understand yeah. that what, that they're even supposed to be, like, yeah. you know, obviously from, from the first frame, you know Anakin yeah. wants to bone Padme Hart. Yeah. That's the terrible thing because, like, yeah. he just acts like he wants to fuck her. Yeah. Doesn't even seem like he's, like, actually emotionally in, in, interested in her as a human being. He just wants to bone her, which uh, that's a terrible foundation for any yeah. relationship. Yeah. On top of that, she n- never out throughout the whole movie reciprocates any kind of like I, I like you back there's no heat or anything nothing yeah. to suggest that she's even interested yeah. back until at the end they get sentenced to death to get to get crushed by giant monsters yeah. or something she suddenly arbitrarily out of the blue kind of turns yeah. around and goes I, I love you he's see like, that's you, just, you nailed it right there the thing that can transcend poor writing in a relationship is when you, it's in like something like a TV show or a movie or something it's heat between the actors yeah exactly yeah. it's like if you can at least feel that so at least there's that them, kind of subtext at like, least okay. the chemistry can override yeah. the writing or at least exactly. flesh out what the writing's not telling you it's just and like I still convinced not necessarily the world. I don't think she's bad. She's bad, but she can recite lines. But she does not generate any kind of heat with anybody. She's a, yeah. kind of a cold fish as yeah. an actress, which I hate to say because that kind of makes it sound well, like. See, I, I, but you know, I've you seen know, movies where she has been good. I don't think anyone in all of Star Wars generates kind of any vicious. sort of relationships with anyone. And I feel bad too because it's not even necessarily the guy playing Anakin Skywalker's fault because. 
all everyone in those movies yeah. is terrible. Well, see, that's the thing. I feel like that's why I feel like it's not really fair to lay it to say that you know it was like Natalie Portman doesn't have any chemistry. Yeah, with Yeah, I think the only actors in any of those movies that come off okay are the, uh, what's his name playing Obi Wan Kenobi, just yeah, because he's just kind of wry and goofy yeah. enough. He kind of he's obviously just not even invested it, in yeah. at a certain yeah. point. He's just there to do his Alec Guinness impersonation and just kind of like yeah. hand gestures at people. <laughs> exactly. And like Qui Gon Jinn and you know, like Liam Neeson was in the first movie for five minutes, and again he just didn't have to. Mm-hmm. He just he just showed up and was like he was just Liam Neeson for twenty minutes. Yeah. And uh, and then he got to die, and then I was like, I don't have to worry about this shit. I'm checking out. Fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck filming the rest of these movies. Woof, woof, but woof, yeah, woof. no, it's 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 it's. So you had a real good time. So you're saying? Oh my gosh! Those movies hold up real well. He's a fucking crazy motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. He kills all his all the younglings. And he's so pouty. <laughs> and like, it makes you think. It makes you think less of Amadala that you would think that she would even think this guy's attractive. Yeah. Because like he's such a fucking psycho nutcase, mm-hmm. and he's so. He's so petulant, like a little kid. Yeah. And it's weird to think yeah. of, like, a grown, like, 50-year-old adult man wrote this, thinking yeah. that, like, this is how teenagers act. Yeah. When yeah. teenagers can be petulant and stupid and, and childish, but they're not, like, acting like 10-year-olds. Yeah. Like, it's a, kind of a different kind of thing. And I, I mean, this I, George Lucas gets a lot of shit for this. But yeah, it really is just, like, he has a basic... I, I don't know if he perceives people in a very kind of shallow way or if mm-hmm. he has a hard problem just, like putting his thoughts of what people can be like on paper mm-hmm. but there is a weird like disconnect between and just his portraits of, mm-hmm. of of different kinds of people are just so like shallow and just not they, they don't work i think fundamentally so at the end of the day that that he doesn't think as a storyteller yeah. he doesn't think they're worth the effort like he doesn't think that people are deserve yeah. really time he, or energy because it's like I don't know you get archetype let's go yeah you know because I'm, I'm actually watching these things with the commentary too just uh-huh. just shits and giggles and George Lucas keeps on talking about how he doesn't consider dialogue or character to be important yeah. because he considers to be these to be essentially be silent films yeah. and dialogue is just there just because it's a sound movie and you need words coming out of people's yeah. mouths but he, even he says dialogue's not important, important and stuff but still even if dialogue is terrible like the basic like construction of a character yeah. should still be solid and he doesn't yeah. even have that Yeah, because yeah. like you could still have rich characters even in a silent movie as long yeah. as like their actions are interesting yeah. and like they're full of like instead of just being a one-dimensional uh, a, a portrait of a character, there's actual like different parts of their personalities moving back for, back yeah. and forth and creating conflict within themselves. And sure, how yeah. They, and how you can tell how someone's thinking versus how they're acting and stuff like that. There's yeah. nothing of that. Yeah. I, at least at least the acting in the the original trilogy, there was enough. Yeah. There, like that's there, you, there was genuine chemistry between all those people. Then again, what you're saying, like the chemistry, because mm-hmm. it's not like the, the the original Star Wars movies were written that well. No, they're not. But. They were still broad archetypes, but yeah. at least the actors were bringing enough yeah. to kind of flesh everything out that yeah. you don't even get that with the prequels. Yeah, you know? I mean, like, for example, Alec Guinness did not want to be there. Yeah. Did not think, like, he thought this is a garbage movie while he's making it. But the scene, every scene that he shares with another person, even though his character is aloof and is kind of an asshole. Yeah, because he's all there's still, Yeah. There's still, like, a connection between a those people. humanity. Yeah, yeah, it's because he's a good actor. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot lately about how the truest test of a good actor is um, when they're plunked in a really shitty role and still kind of own it. Yeah. Um, conveniently, <laughs> last night, I, my wife and I watched Brett Ratner's uh, uh, piece uh, titled Hercules. Yeah. Starring Dwayne, Mr. The Rock Johnson. I forgot this is a movie that actually came this out because I came out filming it, yeah. like posting photos. I forgot yeah. this actually. Yeah. So. Uh, it's actually kind of fun. And the <laughs> well, big reason. You know what? Hercules movie. It's called Hercules. I know. 
It should be fun. It should, Even if it's terrible, still, it still takes itself a little too seriously at moments. But the thing yeah. is, is that the actors in it know what kind of movie it is. Okay. And it's actually really well cast. It's an whole origin story of Hercules, right? Not like necessarily. Thank God, no. Like, the, the, his, 12 journey, <clears throat> his 12 labors are over. And he is now, uh, he's actually a mercenary. This is not Danny DeVito where he's wearing, like, Hercules sandals it's and he's real, trying to get merchandise. It's a real good joke. It's, you know what? That's actually a good point. The, one of the saving graces of this movie is that it doesn't fucking feel the need to be an origin story. When was yeah. the last time you could say a big action movie about a known character was didn't fucking waste time being an origin well, story? Well, the only reason I even asked about the origin story, because I thought, I could have sworn I had seen some kind of, like, segment online where they were talking about the filming of that and they had, maybe I'm thinking, did they do a new Conan movie? Yeah. Maybe I'm getting confused because there was, like, something that about had, uh, what's his a butt kid from... Conan out in the woods doing something yeah, like that. Yeah, that was being... the Conan movie. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Also, it is just Hercules doing stuff. It's, it's straight not... up Hercules. And so the whole thing, the whole point of the movie is that Hercules is, in fact, um, uh, it's kind of a, to call it cynical gives it a little too much credit, but yeah. it's kind of set in a world where people believe in gods and believe in miracles and believe in all this shit, but they're not real. Like, you know, oh, yes, I fought the mighty Hydra. And it's really just these dudes in, like, lizard suits who are trying to scare people. Oh, really? It's okay. like, in the movie, they're like, we're going to fight the centaurs or centaurs but of course they're just fucking the centaurs yeah those, I know. Are, those I just, are the horses when they please shit. feel free to make fun of the misspeaking i had they, we never poop, misspeak on the boy podcast so but of course the centaurs are just dudes on horses speaking of which i gotta uh, uh nibble on a little bit on the cinnamon please toast as i have this rant from a listener you know what what <laughs> how you listeners love it when we slurp and crunch on cereal to especially the now i'm making concerted effort to talk closer to the mic so i don't sound like <laughs> like i'm talking out of a tunnel full of dicks so i'm not going to eat because then it would just be how can it be a tunnel full of dicks? See, it's not tunnel, tunnel made of dicks. Can't be full of or made of dicks. I think tunnel that, made of dicks because that suggests an echo. Because if it was tunnel full of no, dicks, see, it would be actually flesh. an optimal place to record. No, 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 no. Disagree. Flesh absorbs sound. But if it's still you big enough space, there'd be some kind of. But you would you would hear the sound of all the turgid dicks, or turgid or softening <laughs> dicks. Actually, that the would sound is drooping is as you're walking around inside the tunnel full of dicks. You'd hear like the slurpy kind of like you're walking on sweaty dick flesh. Exactly, it'd be really unpleasant. Uh, and assuming the dicks so, are still attached to Hercules. One. Yeah. Um, Hercules, surprisingly, is um, kind of the way that the old Conan movies, and like I would say, like even Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters kind of lump in this, where it's just a D&D session yeah. in a movie. So the whole point is that Hercules is a big ripped dude, but really he's more smart than anything else. And he has a kind of a team. I mean, it's a, it's a Robin Hoodie sort of thing, where it's like, oh, he's got his lady archer, and he's oh, got, okay, so he's um, not just by himself out no. in the woods. Just, which can make sense, because if he's all by himself, who's he going to talk to? Yeah. He and can't he's like, got, bounce like, off of anybody. He's got his mad dog berserker. And then he's got fucking Ian McShane as his seer. And who's like also a long staff guy. And he's got Rufus Sewell, or I would say his name, as uh, his uh, best snarky who's best Rufus friend. Sewell? He played the... You'd recognize him if you saw him. He played the Emperor and Gladiator and a bunch of other shit. The Emperor? Wasn't that was his face? That was Dumbledore. Gladiator in Gladiator, yeah. The Emperor, no, because it was it was it was Dumbledore, and he gave it. Then he gave it to Space Camp. Is Space Camp Rufus was... Sewell Grace Camp Space Camp? I don't know. That guy is that guy. What? I have never seen this guy before. He's been in he a shit of John Adams. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is actually the first movie I've ever seen where he hasn't been a villain. Uh, well, he's in Dark City, and I've seen. Dark, I mean, I've obviously You've seen, seen this guy and stuff. Yeah, but no, the emperor. No, you're th- no. It's the kid from. It's it's Joaquin Phoenix was the emperor in it. 
Oh, you're right. I'm white, an asshole. Like, All white people look alike. No, but he's got like the curly you're hair. You're absolutely correct. He actually looks more All like. All white people look alike. They had to make Joaquin Phoenix to look like him to look like yeah. the emperor. That's totally. You are 100% right. Where do I know Rufus Sewell from? Then? That's what I'm saying because you're all like. He's not Joaquin Phoenix. He was in A Knight's Tale. In which uh, I've only seen the last 10 minutes of. Your though. favorite movie, A Knight's Tale. <laughs> anyway, who does she care? Anyway, he was really good in it. That was Joaquin Phoenix. I'm an asshole. Yeah, that's what I'm Anyway, um, uh, Hercules. So in, and Rufus Sewell and Ian McShane are playing these garbage roles. <laughs> I mean, they're not any good, but they're having. Like, they totally know what it is and yeah. they kind of own it. There's one scene where Ian McShane gives this inspirational speech to Hercules to help him get through this troubling moment and it's actually so well given that afterwards I kind of was like yeah like I kind of want to record that speech and listen to it every morning yeah it's actually like for you personally it's like an inspirational thing no it's like your family was killed and you're not who they say I mean it wasn't at all relevant to me but it was just so well performed that's what I'm saying but it's nice enough the performance was really good it actually made you feel something even though it was garbage written garbage Hercules John Hurt's in it and John Hurt does a real good job John Hurt's one of the masters of this thing's a piece of shit I'll show up and class it up a little yeah but it was I was really and of course The Rock is so charismatic yeah and it's funny because they do the classic thing where it's like oh these are ye oldie people of any stripe they're all British so everybody has a British accent except for The Rock which I really loved but no it was just so what is Hercules trying to do uh, the whole movie is that Hercules is a mercenary with his band of mercenaries he is hired by John Hurt to uh, to train his army and defeat these bad guys okay so it's not about like Zeus and all that stuff? No, not at all, because the gods aren't real. Oh, that's interesting. So he's just a strong guy. So he's, he's kind of like the source he's of the strong, legend, but he's smart not like dude. And he's very aware of it. like he has a, a nephew. When you said who's that a storyteller, when you said the gods are fake. I didn't realize that they actually went to that extent. I thought maybe they would still kind of say like maybe he's from a real god, and there would be kind of like Mm-mm. maybe he's showing all these fake people who believe in these fake gods like no, I, at least one no, fake no, no, god no, no, is no. real or something like no, that. No, 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 no. He's, he's just, just really a strong, strong guy, yeah. dude. He's just really strong dude who's got a really good brand. That's just kind of all people. When people are like, "Oh man, he's so strong. He must be half god." He just he just doesn't doesn't bother to correct them. He's like, Maybe. <laughs> and that's like the origin he's got, of the story. He's got story. a barker. Yeah. He's got a barker yeah, who that's literally that's is out there. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, I mean, it was it was it was dumb what as shit. Why are you guys watching Hercules? Because uh, Dwayne Johnson was pretty, and I'm really depressed. And I wanted to watch something with Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> is he hot in that? Uh, he, Bill, it's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Does he have tattoos? And he is so so beautiful. No, they did a real the, the makeup in this movie is astonishing because they covered all his tattoos. Yeah, I mean, for the most of the movie, sweaty, he's wearing. Shit. For the most of the movie, he's wearing like basically a leather tank top or a chest plate, okay. so they're able to oh, so they have to that, cover off So it's stuff, really yeah. just his shoulders. So what are what are his tattoos? Is modern? Isn't it just like he's a diner on of... his chest? Yes, Bill. <laughs> you know what's really great when people have tattoos that are reflective of their cultures. No, but I've seen he's got a whole bunch of junk, but I can't remember what it is. A whole bunch of junk, Bill. He's I think he's Polynesian, and they're all. It's like his. Like oh, it's tribal stuff. Yes, oh, it's I thought actual, it was like, genuine. Like I thought it was like representative of. Shit like and I'm, that. I'm an asshole if I'm getting his. I I'm can't remember what his culture is. Anyone getting pop culture tattoo? But I thought it was stuff no, like that. I didn't no, think it was the a, way inter- that Portland people stuff. are assholes just writing yeah. tattoos for funzos. Um, oh, okay. He's actually has them because it's like part of his culture that this is it represents his family and his his life and the progression of his life. Yeah. And I'm an asshole. What ethnicity is the Rock? <laughs> Pardon me. Is Polynesian Pause not an ethnicity? Everybody. Um. Anyway, I don't know. Anyway, he's uh, awesome, and I love him. Is this better than he's Disney really... Hercules? 
I mean, they're very different. For some reason, I want to pronounce as Hurleykies because I think I'm slightly dyslexic. Hurleykies. Anyway. Hercules, Hercules. um, Do you ever see the Nutty Professor when they're eating around the dinner table and they say Hercules, Hercules? Yes, Phil. That's the only good point of any any, any, any Murphy movie. Hercules, Hercules. Um, At one point last night, I was clapping in delight at the film and fully Uh, said that to me. And I'm like, don't you make this into that. (laughs) Don't you do that. No, but it's it's a bad movie, but they kind of own it, so it becomes better. I don't think it's genetically possible for a Hercules movie to be a quote unquote good movie. No, I don't know. I think you could. And at the end of the day, this movie was ultimately disappointing because it's all about these big war battles. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, oh shit. shit. You want a Hercules doing stuff. I you mean, don't want this gladiator The whole shit. point is that he's like, he's developed this brand, like this awareness of this mythical creature that he is. And yeah. So, and how he actually kind of leverages his bros to be So do people actually end up thinking he's, well, oh, so the gods don't exist. So they just know he's strong, but it's not like anyone's tricked into thinking. Well, no, there's there are people, people must who be that cynical. gods exist because that's how people are taking well, advantage. Yes. They're dressed like lizards and it's shit, like, taking advantage. Exactly. Everyone, like everyone in the world believes in gods and everyone in the world believes Hercules and everything. Oh, but, it, but it just, it's, it's the just movie, shown that the gods don't exist. The yeah. movie is not like, and here's Zeus helping everybody out. Well, that's Cool. So you just trick a lot in of people into thinking of, that he is. Yeah, I mean, he never says I am the son of Zeus, but it's part. It's yeah, his Barker does, and he Didn't lets Zeus everybody believe fuck it. Fuck a chicken, and that's how Zeus happened, or yes, something Phil. like that. That's how I Zeus, know, Zeus fucked so many people in so many uh-huh. different forms. It's yeah. kind of confusing as to who did what. Well, I have to admit, I was even I was like, because it's been a while since I've brushed up on my Greek mythology, and I was like, Zeus. I was like, Hercules killed his family because Hera made him, right? And Foley just looked yeah, at me. I totally yeah. Well, Foley just kill, looks at me, and she goes, Oh, like like uh, what the fuck is the name of the god? God of War guy. Oh, uh, fucking uh, uh, the God of War yeah. guy. White so guy. The best part, she's like like Xanos sort of his name. Yeah, and, none of us. Yeah, like, we're sure. asking the wrong crowd. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it was great because I, I was like, no, Hercules killed his family. I'm like, I can't remember how Hera tricked him into doing it. So I Googled Hercules kills family. And her, Google has done this thing now where they show, um, well, they'll just pluck the answer from a web page and show it to you without you oh, yeah, exactly, the website. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. And usually it's like usually a relevant, a pretty competent source. But this is from... Uh, starsandseas.com slash Herxite1. Hera had another plan to kill Hercules. It would it would take some time because she didn't want Zeus to find out that she killed his son. Hera went to Hercules and then she messed with his mind. And when he saw his wife, he bashed her head in. And when he saw his children, he bashed their head in as well. <laughs> Thanks for that that authoritative. That sounds take. about on par on, on par for like the fourth grader reading level of most wait, of the internet. Wait. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, Christ. it's a Brett Ratner movie, so it was exactly what you think it'd be. And like the special effects are overdone. But I will say this: I am so grateful to live in a time when beards are socially acceptable and in fact seem socially attractive yeah. because the movie is filled with dudes who grew actual beards for their roles. So as a beard fancier, if there are any other beard fanciers listening to the Boyani podcast, may I advise to you the movie Hercules because uh, the rock grows beard, uh, Rufus Sewell's is he wearing beard a beard is really for good. the whole movie or just like when he's out in the wild? No, it's the whole movie. And- he, oh, really? okay. he has a fucking beard. He didn't like, okay. it's a full well, lush usually, beard. Usually a guy wearing a beard in a movie, he's usually coat Wearing. He grew a beard. That's he's, the thing. He's been tired. He's been out in the wild. Now he needs to be coming and groom and be tamed, or he's he's been off by himself alone. And now, well, it, the whole point you know, is that like the world is kind of gross and like it's not like a beautiful, gleaming. Everyone world. smells like crotch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man, so, that movie must smell like leather crotch. Like think, that. Kinda... You know what I really appreciate is how you let me make the points I'm trying to make. Yeah. <laughs> so my point is that everyone grows real beards. And it's really good, and it's a nice array of beards, and I liked oh, it. Okay. There, the ends, the ends, ends. And everyone's like, like. 
like gleaming like they got beards but like the rest of them were like, gleamingly hairless and all like mm, like hot dogs <laughs> like hot dogs hot, just the, hot, hot dog good. with hair in the head that's what I'm saying most, most beefy sexy guys yeah, they look like boy. hot dogs like, they're made out of hot dog skin so Hercules was surprisingly watchable Bill tell me about Rare Replay uh, wait did you see Song of, what, did you watch Song of the South not Song of the South have you ever actually seen Song of the South no I've not uh, you're right. I did very briefly watch Song of the Sea this briefly. week. Briefly, I couldn't actually get through it. We got maybe about a quarter of the way through Annie, it. Guess what? Those movies are very well done. <laughs> well, no. Here's the thing. I really liked um, uh, Book fucking of Kells. Book of Kells. I really liked it. The yeah. pacing is strange. Uh, most and people don't even know this movie exists. Though. We're talking about the Song yeah. of the Sea. So this is another movie made by the Book of the Kells people. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought at first I found Book of Kells very jarring because it is such told so like a story and yeah. not really concerned in kind of quote unquote movie convention pacing. Yeah. Uh, just for people who never seen Book of Kells, Book of Kells is an anime movie done by an Irish studio that is kind of done up the art style kind of looks like the Book of Kells where yeah. it's kind of medieval kind of like a, like biblical illustration where everything's like kind of like on flat planes and very mm-hmm. geometric and very it's distinctive a beautiful look. it's a stunning movie with a beautiful soundtrack and it is to call it ponderous I think it ponderously paced is a little too not even ponderously paced like, but it had but a, it's it had it, it's a very deliberate sort of childlike telling a story kind of a rambling it, story yeah. which it was very different and at first I found that a little off-putting but in the I've watched that movie a ton of times. It's a very watchable movie and it's very soothing and I really liked it. So I was curious about Song of the Sea. And it's kind of interesting because I had I not known different, I would have almost thought that Song of the Sea was made before the Book of Kells. Why? Um the it's it feels almost like a rough draft for the Book of Kells. It there are things like the um the design doesn't quite feel as holistic to me. Um, like, for example, the uh, the backgrounds and everything are very are done in kind of a cubist fashion, yeah. where it's like Book of Kells, where everything is very flat, but even more so because everything is very like it's cubist in in that you'll see like a bench, but you'll see and it's very two dimensional, but then you'll see multiple dimensions of the bench just yeah. flattened, and it's an interesting choice, and the colors are all very rich, I and the textures all. Because I know, like, the, that whole kind of medieval, medieval art style. See, it's not as medieval. It's yeah. more consciously. See, that's what I was thinking cubist. more medieval. I didn't think about it being cubist. That's a good point. The actually. way the movie takes it. I have to go back and rewatch and look at the art. Yeah. No, this is specifically Song of the Sea, not Book of Kells. Well, that's what I'm saying though. But like, well, it's, that's, a different it's, it's easy to assume they just took the same art style and just kind of like See, put it into a modern setting. But if you're talking about like, well, because cubism, I mean, medieval art. One of the distinctive things about artwork before until before like people really started hanging on to. Uh, perspective mm-hmm. in like the 15th century or whatever everything was flat you get typically saw everything from one perspective mm-hmm. and so that's what like our work in the book of the Kells looks like mm-hmm. and just because it looks vaguely like that in song of the sea it's easy to assume that they just did the same thing over again mm-hmm. but it's interesting that you're pointing out yeah no it's it's they kind of did the same thing but like taking it through the cubist route because mm-hmm. cubism is all about kind of going backwards a little bit mm-hmm. instead of just showing everything from one perspective multiple mm-hmm. perspectives at exactly. the same time yeah, yeah. that's a, i didn't even think about that you know, right so, it's been a while since i've seen this movie yeah but, yeah but man so but so i liked the background what you just said no no but i do appreciate articulating it, I, to be this honest is me thinking out loud processing yeah. what you just said oh, yeah no that's but that's that's exactly that's exactly right i don't see that see that as mansplaining in that yeah. case but um i'd much rather you do that than tell me about uh crotch smells when i'm trying to talk <laughs> about beards and hercules yeah. so anyway um i like all that but i find that it doesn't 
there it's a, there's more dissonance between the character designs and the environments I found. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they decided to go with much finer lines on the character designs, and the end result is something that feels more like a cost save. Though it is not. To my eye, it felt a little cheaper overall. Yeah. And some of the artistic choices they made, rather than feeling like artistic choices, felt more explicitly like cost cuts. Mm-hmm. And it just wound up feeling more like a concept piece to me than a final work. Uh-huh. I was just kind of... I found it a little jarring. And um, and on top of that, the story is about... Um, it's about Selkies. And it's about a little boy whose mother... Um, I didn't get far enough to it's find out Irish what happened. Ponyo. <laughs> it is Irish Ponyo. It is Irish Ponyo. A little boy... I didn't get far enough in the movie to find out whether his mother actually and died or miss- went to the sea. But one way or another, well, it's his, even at the end. Yeah, yeah, go well, ahead. Sure, yeah. it's ambi- all right. You could also say it is a metaphor for exactly. death. Exactly. Yeah, blah. yeah. So the thing is, is that the um, the son, had, you know, his mother dies or is gone, but his his the daughter is born on the same day. The daughter is at all is now six years old and um, hasn't spoke. A single yeah, day. it's insinuated the mom died in childbirth, yeah. giving birth to his new sister, yeah. little yeah. sister. Yeah. And um, so, uh, but the little so the little boy resents the little girl, and his character is such a shit. Just such an unmitigated shit, and there was literally no quality uh, to yeah. him beyond the fact that he resents his little sister. That I couldn't watch the movie. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't. I got about. It I'm is like that until literally third. like the last minute of the movie. I got a third of the way through the movie. I was like, F- I can't. I don't want to watch this kid have a shit fit for an hour and a half. Because they do such a good job of kind of like making the little sister. She's mute. She's yeah. super cute. Big yeah. goo goo eyes. Yeah. Uh, it turns out that she's a selkie too. Yeah. And this whole. St- Did you even get to that part? Yeah. Because I can't even oh, remember yeah. how soon. They I got even- as far as they got to the city and they met the And so people. there's like this whole thing about fairies are trying to sure. like use her power to like fuck up other fairies or something it was, like that. Like, and... I, everything in the movie was interesting except the shitty little kid. The kid is not interesting and the stories, I don't think the stories that that company tells are necessarily, I've seen people yeah. say this is like the Irish Miyazaki or Studio Ghibli. And even Studio Ghibli has weird, the story in Studio Ghibli movies are always disjointed because mm-hmm. it's weird Japanese idea of storytelling mm-hmm. which is not, does not conform to conventional western three act mm-hmm. structures. But even from that perspective, it just like the, the, the storytelling in this movies are yeah, just kind of rambling and there's no real structure to anything and things just kind of randomly happen for 90 minutes until the story ends. I felt like Book of Kells and... felt more effectively like a, f- a story being told to someone. Well, I wonder whereas... if that's kind of the medieval kind of setting kind of helps that as kind of like, oh, this is kind of story of fable where if you make it like take well, place in modern day, and he, especially if the production values aren't enough to kind of like make up for the story I'll say this. I think it's easy to have a sparingly sketched character if you have more characters. Well, exactly, yeah. Because Book of Tells, back to characters that we're talking about Star Wars and all that shit. Book yeah. of Kells has a pretty big cast, all things sold, because he's very yeah, much so part... It's not just a little He's boy. part of a community. Yeah. And he has a distinct relationship with different parts of the community. And so that, in of itself, makes him a fuller character. Whereas this little boy only has a relationship with his sister, and the whole point is that the dad is so depressed that he's not a super great dad, and he's kind of removed. Yeah. So it's literally the whole movie, the only other relationship you see is this kid likes his dog. That's it. And it's just really hard to watch. There is something cute that happens with the dog towards the end where spirits show up and the dog is kind of like, not possessed, but rides with the spirit of super awesome dogs. And it's like, oh, <laughs> that's kind of the highlight of the whole yeah, movie. The dog it. gets to have a little bit of a hero moment. Yeah, sure. But yeah, the movie's not really It's really bad. And I and I felt that, inst- I thought that one of the things, the secret to the Kells is that it all felt visually deliberate. 
Yeah. Everything in that movie felt very conscious and deliberate and part of a whole. And Song of Cells just Song of the Sea just didn't mesh for me at all. Okay. It was just didn't quite work. Didn't even parse that. You know, like I I just kinda was watching I was like, Oh, they just did exactly some same art style now. Yeah, just take I didn't, place in modern I didn't day. feel that. Yeah. But it was just man, just not good. And so okay. I didn't really want to talk about it because it was just kinda like me or it was well, all the people watching kind of go. I I was bored off when I, the one time I, I did just watch it. Get through it. I had to like do something else because like the story is it's very pretty, but and, like <laughs> actually even the cast is really nice because it's Brendan Gleeson again. Yeah. Who I like uh, the main boy was voiced by the kid from Moon Boy, which is mm-hmm. uh, that awesome Irish comedy about the little boy whose imaginary best friend it was like Chris Dowd, mm-hmm. and so it's the little boy voicing the main little boy in this, and yeah, but the little boy is such a fuck. <laughs> Just like, There's yeah. nothing in there for me to cling on to in that movie, See, except for the fact that the dog's hot. He's an Skywalker. Hot dad. That was all I could get from yeah, that And movie. hot dad disappears for most of the movie. No! There's a certain point where like, he sends the kids away, and so the dad disappears until like last 10 minutes wah, of the movie. So, anyway, yeah. Song of the Sea. More like Song of Not For Me. Uh, Bill, tell me your thoughts and feelings about Rare Replay. So you're not interested in Rare Replay at all? Because I can let you borrow the discs Let sometime. me see. I don't think I've played or have any attachment well, it doesn't have to any of the Donkey Kong songs. Country games, which yeah, I think are the games. only Rare games that you've ever even played. I literally don't know or have an opinion about any of these games. Why so, would I? So you're cool with me talking about for like 30 minutes? I mean, you're, I'm curious to hear. Because I have written uh, 500 word reviews for each of the 30 <laughs> games. I, I'm just going to read it out yeah, loud Yeah, Conker's Bad Fur Day. It is Whoa. a terrible fucking game. Mm-hmm. It was bad even back. Not, not that it was terrible, but just not very good. Uh, just because you've beaten the Banjo-Kazooie formula to death, just yeah. suddenly putting, like, adult jokes in it does not yeah. necessarily suddenly make it better. Oh, but yeah. Well, so yeah, you never cared about... Did you... Were you not a fan of Banjo-Kazooie back in the day? Nope. I didn't. Did you play Nintendo it on, it 64? A, I, I, no, I didn't. Oh, I thought you had a Nintendo 64. No, I had a Super well, Nintendo. Oh, shit, man. That was, like, their their era, man. If you didn't... Yeah, if, exactly. If That's why I had no Kong. opinion about Rare. Well, I guess we're not talking about Rare Replay. <laughs> <laughs> hear your opinion asshole good no just as far as like game conservation yeah. this, yes that yes. is interesting to have a, a like an entire like 30 game compilation devoted entirely to a single developer yeah that is interesting yeah especially since uh, there's a whole bunch of documentary footage on here really? as you keep on playing the games so like uh not too long ago uh nintendo started they had like oh god i forget what, what the name of the series is but they came out with a couple uh games that were Challenges from old 8-bit Nintendo games uh-huh. that, like, you like you could play, like, little samples of old 8-bit Nintendo games, and as you completed these challenges of these old 8-bit Nintendo games, this is uh-huh. this is something you can download to the Wii U, uh-huh. uh, you get points, and it was essentially like an old retro game compilation for Nintendo, but it was, like, instead of just playing all the games straight through, mm-hmm. you just played, like, collect 100 coins in Super Mario Brothers, congratulations, mm-hmm. kill 10 Goombas in Super Mario Brothers, and once you do that, you go on to Super Mario Brothers 2 and then Super Mario Brothers 3, mm-hmm. and as you do that, you get, like, little rewards and unlocks little things. And but it's weird because it still doesn't unlock full versions of those games, but it's just an excuse to play like smatterings of like little bits of a whole bunch of different games. Mm-hmm. They kind of take the similar thing in here where as you play all the games from this rare collection, uh, you hit certain milestones like punch the, punch out 30 guys in, in battle toads. Yeah. Or do like so much of this in this other game and stuff. You unlock these little tokens and the more tokens you get, you unlock making of features. It's, mm. it's like uh, you unlock soundtrack and like concept art. There's making of documentaries for most of the games in here that you hmm. unlock and they're lengthy like long videos that are like really in depth talking to all the people who worked on these games and stuff and so just as a hey here's all the games we've ever made most of them except for anything involving Nintendo mm-hmm. on a single disc with interviews with uh, everyone who made these games like how the games got made and where they came from it's just really as just like a gaming museum piece yeah it's really interesting interesting of course as soon as you know the Xbox One goes away this disc will be 
obsolete again, and you'll be wishing, well, I wish they could have a replay on on the next Xbox system. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 really interesting. I wish more companies could do this. Yeah, it's a cool thing. Yeah, and they've got most of their games. Yeah, like I said, everything except for Donkey Kong Country, um, Donkey Kong sixty four, Diddy Kong Racing. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple arbitrary NES games that aren't on there that weren't even necessarily tied to Nintendo, like Wizards Mm -hmm. and Warriors, that I don't know why they're not on here. Maybe some kind of, maybe Wizards and Warriors was like some kind of role-playing game they based off of. Hmm. The license things they could, they sure, could get again, yeah. but no, it's a pretty good little collection, huh, especially because like it goes all the way back to like the ZX Spectrum, yeah, from, like, 1983. Yeah, so half the games on here are terrible, sure, because they were made in like 1983. Yeah, it's just cool. And this was like what 40 bucks, it's like 30 bucks, yeah, 30 bucks for that many games, for 30 games, and that's the yeah. best part because it's everything up until including. I'm not a fan, okay, people are gonna. So, you've never played Banjo Kazooie, no, no. <laughs> I don't get this like Mario Kazooie. I'm just saying Mario Kazooie is a poor man's Mario 64. <laughs> That's fine if you love both Mario 64 and Mario Kazooie. I'm not casting Bill's a throwing down the heat. But I'm just saying Mario Kazooie is bullshit. <laughs> both of them. But. So there was a huge kerfuffle when Rare announced they were going to make a new Banjo-Kazooie game for the Xbox 360. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, Banjo-Kazooie. And they announced, oh, yeah, you're actually going to be spending your whole time in this game building cars and yeah. racing them. People were like, what the fuck? Yeah, you like Nuts and Bolts, didn't you? Nuts and Bolts is one of the best Rare games ever, and that's hot <laughs> yeah, here. So yeah. it's just, I'm like, for 30 bucks, it's just worth it for that one game alone. Yeah. Granted, because it, uh, that's the weird thing about this game, because all the 360 games on here, though, instead of being on disc, mm-hmm. there's Tied into the new Xbox One backwards compatibility oh, system, oh, interesting, which is still in beta. So half the games that are backwards compatible that you can play on the Xbox One right now only kind of work. Hmm. So all the games on here, especially Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, super shitty frame rate. Mm-hmm. They keep on saying they're gonna like as backwards and uh, compatibility software for the Xbox One gets patched up and improves over the co- course of the next six months, because it's not supposed to be officially. Like released to everyone mm-hmm. until like some like December or something yeah. like that. But it's funny that like this retail disc now yeah. lets you is reliant on that. Yes, yeah, reliant. That's, that's the only way you can play real. some of these games yeah. in this kind of like in beta backwards compatibility software thing on the Xbox One. So yeah, some of these games don't work that well. Huh. But it's still the fact that it's available. I'm assuming that she gets patched up. So uh, the three. If anything, you think about. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts should be running better because it's like, you know, it's like a more powerful system. Yeah. It should be like 60 frames per second. Well, it's more it should be in fucking 3D. It's like more complicated emulation. Banjo though. should just hold his hand out to you and like, say, you want to come into TV He gives you a hand me? job while you play the game. Yeah! <laughs> no, fucking uh, Mumbo Jumbo comes out. And he That's was, right. Big ass teeth. Sure. He's like, woka, woka, uh-huh. woka, mm-hmm. woka, 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 Well, so, but other than that, yeah, what, what's your favorite game on here, Bill? Oh, man. That you played. What's the best experience that I've played had? on here? Yeah, what's your man, best experience? My, man, sentimental favorite, RC Pro-Am. When I was a kid, I spent a whole summer playing... RC Pro-Am is an old 8-bit Nintendo game where uh-huh. you're just racing little RC cars in a circle. Mm-hmm. Man, I played the shit out of that. There's a whole <laughs> summer where me and my friends all... We did nothing but play RC Pro-Am, yeah. Metroid, and go swimming at the pool. Yeah. That was... I, that was like me, like 12-year-old self, me, like 1987. Yeah. Oh, that was That like, sounds pretty fucking good, When dude. I think of like perfect like summers as a kid, yeah. I think of RC Pro-Am and yep. Metroid, which is yep. kind of sad. Um, man, if they had Diddy Kong Racing, I love Diddy Kong Racing, but that's not on here. I'd have to say, actually, on this disc, I'd have to say uh, Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Yeah. Uh, Jet Force Gemini was my favorite N64 game on here. Uh, that is in this collection, but the controls are all fucked up. Yeah. Because it's kind of like a third-person shooter, but it was designed for the Nintendo 64 yeah. controller that only had one thumbstick. Yeah. And so, like. 
They try to make it like remap some of the C C stick button controls to sure. the second thumbstick, but they don't work. And they actually mm-hmm. released a special patch for Jet Force Gemini to kind of like make the controls a little bit more modern, but it's still not quite right. You feel like you're going crazy. Yeah. And it just it's hard to go back to an old game where the basic control yeah. design is different than what you do now. So even if the game's great, it's funny because actually Jet Force Gemini emulation on that is fantastic sure but yeah just like playing it is just like oh my god this is a game that was designed like 15 years ago yeah i feel like i'm losing my mind trying to yeah. play this shit yeah it's not terrible but yeah but that's in bolts yeah. yeah i'm really excited you can go home again because right? like it's music it's like i've got like a live tuba orchestra like, <laughs> like do, 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 yeah do. yeah i don't know it's a very cute game <laughs> you're probably better off if you have a 360 still hooked up to your tv you're probably just if you just want a playable buy version of the game, dollar from exactly, GameStop. rather than spending thirty dollars to backwards emulate it poorly on an Xbox One, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's not the yeah. end of the world. It's oh, cute, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, old games, Reborn. How are you enjoying King's Quest, Bill? Uh, so yeah, you hate any role playing game that's not LucasArts. That's correct. They were role playing games. You got that one, and uh, no, I no I, adventure I, games. Yeah, I I played some Sierra adventure games. I was a big fan of Gabriel Knight. Yeah, I um, you could die in uh, that was an adventure game thing about Sierra. That was a big thing. I don't that a couple times already. Yeah, that was the big thing. The LucasArts. That was like the groundbreaking thing the LucasArts did I, is that you can never die in a LucasArts game. When I played Leisure Suit Larry three, uh-huh. Patty and the pectoral bull pussies or the fuck that was called back in the day. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember dying in that. that. You know what? It's funny in retrospect. My first adventure game was that Leisure Suit Larry yeah, game. Yeah. Which means that like that was a Sierra game. Yeah. That is terrible. That that was like one of my. First I was gonna say that's really bad. Oh my god! Not that you really saw anything super fucked up or sexy in that game, but the cover did have like papercraft titties on it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I totally forgot that. Like, I got so used to playing. Uh, it's a funny thing because it's not like I've played a ton of Lucas Arts. You could games. die in Leisure Suit Larry games. Yeah, but I don't know. You must have. I can't remember. I never beat that game, so I must have gotten to some point where I was like, I, I, I just googled, could you die in Leisure Suit Larry? And I should say, by the way, the autocomplete suggestion <laughs> I was making as I was typing out, could you die, was depressing. But yeah, I found a lot of compilations of all the ways to die. <laughs> <laughs> you almost get shot or something. Like, like in Leisure Suit Larry, you're just walking yeah. around trying to have sex with people. Yeah. How many ways can you get killed? I can see it like in King's you Quest. Protected sex. Yeah, exactly. Long, yeah. painful death. Yeah, so they came out with the. There was a big thing about I don't know which 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 studio. The did Odd this. Gentleman. Well, no, but so someone brought back. Is it EA or somebody brought back the Sierra name? Sierra as a company, as a, as an actual publisher, has of course been long de- since mm-hmm, dead. Mm-hmm. But someone decided to bring back. Just like Atari keeps on coming back, even though the actual Atari company is well, long since dead. But they keep I, on bringing back Atari as a brand. I know more about this I think, than you do because I'm a nerd. Well, see, that's what I'm asking. Activision yeah. owned the Sierra brand. Okay, that's what it is. And um, it died in global death. And uh, uh, there was actually a fan group that was developing a. Uh, King's Quest game. Really? It got okay. really far and they got official blessings from Activision. Like, yeah, sure, this oh, is an no. official King's Quest game. And then they abruptly cut the cord and they're like, nope, actually oh, never mind. Happened, yeah. And then the odd gentleman develops their their game. Did you did you hear all the fucking drama about the odd gentleman? I this game? Just a couple days ago. Yeah. Supposedly they were gonna make a homestuck game. Yeah, well, this is not supposedly. They were contracted to do the homestuck. Was it a Kickstarter? Game. Was it actually? There was like... a Kickstarter for a while. It was the most successful Kickstarter on a uh, gaming Kickstarter. Oh, they raised man. like two point seven oh, million dollars. Homestuck. And um I need they... to, we know someone who's a I can't even. Talk. We, I have to. We know someone who works with Do Homestuck. I? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I need to ask them if this. Bill, is... statistically, a lot of people work with Homestuck. I'm That's just saying, there are a lot of artists. Homestuck. Yes, there's gray ladies. People want to fuck. <laughs> Something about gray skinned women. Uh, 
so yeah, they raised money to make this game, and they were like, "Yeah, we're contracting the odd gentleman to to actually do the development." And the only um, other thing the odd gentleman had done was that Adventures of PB Winterbottom. Game, yeah, right? yeah. So and they were like, "Yeah, we're doing this game," and then it was kind of they went kind of silent for a while. And the dude, the Homestuck dude, Andrew Hussey, actually put the comic on the excuse me the experience on hold. <laughs> is that what they call it? I, it, I want to be it a surprise. Calling it a comic is totally not an accurate way to describe that yeah. that website. Anyway, um. Uh, so I he, picture the experience like this put it on ride, hold for a year, for a year in web time. That's a million years. He put it. It was called the Gigapause, apparently. Yeah, he might as well just kill the comic Seriously. at that point. Yeah. So he put it on hold so he could move closer to where the odd gentlemen were and what? work on the game. So and so and now, just like like maybe like a year ago, officially the word was just like, oh, uh, the the Homestuck game is being developed internally. We're no longer working with the odd gentlemen. They didn't even actually say that they. By the guys making the, the Homestuck comic. Yeah, they have it. There's a studio called Wet Pumpkin that's like I'm sure they hired um, developers and stuff. What pumpkin? Oh, what pumpkin? I'm sure it has some canonically significant meaning. I'm oh, sure there's some kind of like in joke or something. like anyway, that. Anyway, yeah. um, so uh, yeah, and they didn't say a peep about it, and it'd been a while. So this person who posted the summer post that was then asked to delete it bec- uh, was apparently acquainted with Andrew Hussey, was this and he mentioned super casually, recently. Was this a couple months ago? Uh, I can't. Remember I hadn't what heard it was. about this until after I bought this King's yeah. Quest game. Yeah. So Andrew Hussey apparently said to this person who was an artist, one of the many artists who works on Homestuck, made some sort of mention that I can't, I legally cannot say anything, but uh, King uh, Kickstarter can. And uh. like, what? And so they contacted Kickstarter, and it turned out there's this huge NDA that was signed, and that's why no one involved can say a peep about it. But it basically boiled down to the uh, odd gentleman. This is, of course, the rumors and hearsay from this person who's very biased and a homestucker. But they basically said, yeah, um, they paid like a uh, three quarter million to the odd gentleman to develop the homestuck game. After about a year and a half development, they had one broken room with an unanimated model that, if you did anything, just shut, ran into a fireplace. And it takes and a long time to build a factory before you start manufacturing. <laughs> the canned peas. So, uh, I agreed, but, um, and apparently they just took all that money and were developing uh, a fucking, the King's Quest game. Yeah! And apparently they did the same thing to uh, this Neil Gaiman game that was kickstarted. Oh, well, and, that deserved um, it. Well, but, I mean, the, 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 that actually did go live and was really buggy and poorly received oh, and yeah. no one liked it. And, yeah, and the, oh, they we were... talked about that on here. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. And they, uh, the rumor is that they just kind of took all the money from these other projects and were actually working on this King's Quest game. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, apparently, like, they had to pay back something, like, according to this total hearsay that's all rumor-mongering, so this is totally, the like... The PV Wonder Problem, the Odd Gentleman had to pay Odd back. The paid back, like, $300,000, oh, and the wow. rest of it, like, is, like, just gone, because it was eaten by development costs of that game, question mark? See, the weird thing is, I wonder how, like, because the accounting, because, like, uh, if you take in money, yeah, like, unless you put it, like, in a specific, like, savings account or something exactly. like that, it's easy to absorb that into uh-huh. the company. Well, you could say, and, Costs. Yeah, you could just say development costs. It's easy to just absorb that correct. and lose track of what happened that money. to build resources. And so, well, that's why people were like, uh, that, that was kind of the defense that, like, uh, what's the company that made that fucking Aliens game that everyone hated that got contracted by Sega? Gearbox? Sega was a yeah, Gearbox. Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of uh, oh, yeah, there was a lot of accusations they, yeah. that they had been taking, uh, they took the money, a lot of the money from Aliens and put mm-hmm. that into, like, the last Borderlands game yeah. rather than just spending on Aliens. Yeah. And that's kind of the defense they used is, like, well, we didn't necessarily just take that money and put it over here, but we yeah. did spend money, like, we did get some money from Sega and we did, like, yeah. spend some, not necessarily those exact dollars. Exactly. We didn't just transfer the money from Sega 
go right into our like like our money pool for yeah. Borderlands. But you know, money does get shoved around and stuff yeah. like that. I yeah, I just heard about this the last couple of days. Yeah, it's yeah. just nuts. It's like really interesting, and I'm sad that especially you know, if there was obviously some kind of lawsuit or something went down. Yeah. If there's like legally binding NDAs about somebody yeah. made a decision, some something yeah, happened. There was some sort of settlement where lawyers got and, involved and yeah, made a settlement. And at like, the end of the day, it just breaks. Like I am not a homestucker and whatever, but it breaks my heart the idea of this dude putting this thing on pause for a year to try yeah. and make it happen and it still didn't fucking happen and no, obviously it's not scratch. gonna happen yeah well they had to start from scratch because they still committed to doing this thing and they want to do it and it's just like damn son which also explains why that homestuck game looks like garbage oh is which it actually say, it doesn't uh, it's not fair it it's, looks wait so who's making the homestuck game now it's internally being developed by what oh okay 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so they, they cut, they're working with a bunch of developers and they're developing it internally instead of working with an existing studio Despite the fact they already had a successful Kickstarter for the game well, with mean, someone else. That's crazy. Well, then, well at, when they did the Kickstarter, he did not say, this is with the odd gentleman. He said, I'm working with an ex- an, I'm negotiating a contract with an established game yeah, But that sucks that, that he had a successful Kickstarter. In the See, that's he's, the thing. Dude's he's on the line. to doing it. And dude, it seems like he has a good enough <laughs> relationship with his fans that he's did not he going to be like, like terrible you? lawyers or something like that? Like, well, how do you... you can have really good lawyers, but you can, at a certain point, you have to say, is this worth the money to yeah, dig myself out of this He could just be hole. terrible at... I like how your instinct is to demonize Andrew Hussey. I just like it. Seems like you'd have to work really hard to manipulate yourself out of the Kickstarter funds that you've generated for yourself for this game, and suddenly be like, two years later, I have no money, and now I have to make this game by myself in a closet. It's probably that you kind of fucked up a little bit too. You weren't paying attention to some kind of contract. Wow, or something this like is that. really interesting. That your instinct is to lay the blame on Andrew Huss. I feel I'm like I'm seeing a new. Mil- I'm seeing a new side of Bill. Madrid. As someone who has opened himself up in the past, sure, to yeah. having financial conflicts with people and stuff like that, I can appreciate yeah. how sometimes you have to be really. You have to keep your eye on the ball about sure. stuff. Well, sure. Yeah, and it's also got to be very different when it's like when it's something that you're not. Well, saying, I'm with. sure there's extenuating circumstances we have no. Well, yeah. we will never know about. Yeah, and, but uh, and again, I'm just saying all on surface the information level. that we have about this is from a homestucker exactly, who did yeah. digging, and it has a very much so an agenda from the start. Who, who backed the Kickstarter, Ugh. and you know. So anyway, very interesting. All of that it goes to say, how you did you see they also robbed Roberta Williams also robbed a bank, and <laughs> like the, they made her do it. Bill, how are you feeling about King's Quest so far? I've only played the first 20 minutes of it. Yeah. There's like an opening like in the Indiana Jones style prologue where you're just kind of like doing it like a little mini mission before you yeah. do the main quest sure. that I just completed. Like Literally, a, it's like 10 minutes. A or like 20 minutes. sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's really nice because when you first start off the game, I've never played King's Quest before. I've never mm-hmm. played Police Quest or any of those old series games mm-hmm. aside from Leisure Suit Larry. And it's funny because I guess you're playing the same character who starred in all the old King's Quest. What is it, Quest? Prince Graham? Yeah. Because like, well, so the idea is they don't even tell you exactly what's going on, but you just start off when you first fire up the game there's no titles i think there may be a title screen and that's it and it just fades to there's no explanation of what's going on you're just this prince graham guy just in the middle of the woods walking down through the path and there's no explanation of what you're doing except when you finally walk through the path and you get to like this little wishing well you go to like manipulate the wishing well and suddenly this old voice there's narration over it and mm-hmm. he's like oh this is when i was a kid i was on a, a mission to do this it's christopher lloyd playing the old version of uh, king like, graham yeah king graham yeah. narrating to his like little granddaughter mm-hmm. about 
whatever is going to happen this in the game. So it's yeah. kind of nice. So it's also a little way to tell you like what you need to do. Sure, it's like, like a bastion like near, omniscient. Yeah, exactly. Where he's like, oh, so the, like I Prince was of on, hands of time. He's like, oh, I was on my way to the tournament that day when I found this wishing well, and I realized I needed to get down into that wishing well for some. So you're like, yeah. oh, I need to go down the wishing well. That's an interesting way to get around the obtuseness of some. A little bit like that too, and it's funny too because he's since he's telling this story to his daughter, the the story is the events of the game that you're playing, like daughter interjects and kind of comments on things that are happening and she'll also provide clues too she's like so she'll be like so why don't you just do this yeah and yeah. you're like, well, maybe I did do that. I mean, if you decided to do something else, yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, and he'll be like, I, but I, then in the end, I decided to do this sure, instead. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. And if you die, which again, I forgot that you could die in these kinds yep. of games because the few adventure games I've played were all LucasFarts games. Uh, he's like, Lucas it's, it's LucasFarts. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's total, <laughs> it's a total uh, Prince of Persia. He's like, oh, yeah. that's not how it that's, happens. That's right. There's one thing where he's like, you, I got crushed by a rock. No, no, no. I got eaten by a dragon. And he's like, oh, that's not how that happened. And then I got crushed by a rock. And then suddenly the daughter just intervenes. He doesn't say anything, but she's like, oh, does this mean our family is invincible? <laughs> he's like, no, I, I, that's not how that story ended either. It's just kind of cute. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So I have not actually started the main story, but like, yeah, the fact that it's a very simple UI, you're just walking around mm-hmm. the corner, like has mm-hmm. a little hand icon if you can manipulate something. See, that's what I think is interesting is that this is the, because like Telltale, everyone's like, oh, it's like the Telltale model of episodic things. But from, it, it's like an actually more an old school adventure game. Yeah. Because Telltale very consciously discarded all of the lot of the detritus so like all the the uh vestigial elements of adventure yeah. games or you could say the core elements of adventure games to really focus on dialogue and character and choice more so than i take this inventory item well that's what this is that because you do have an inventory item. screen and i haven't seen anyone else i can talk to in the game except yeah. for one little person and there's no like dialogue choices yeah so it's in that way it seems to be more like an old-time adventure yeah. game because yeah. it's not like because the telltale tell- tell- games are mostly the puzzles are the conversations exactly that you're there's yeah. some environmental puzzles yeah. and stuff, stuff you have to do a little the QTEs and stuff you have to do, but it's mostly about talking to other mm-hmm. people. Whereas this seems to be more back, it's environmental stuff. You run yeah. into some characters, but it's mostly like, okay, I have to get the shield to put on this cart so to replace a broken wheel to do this, to get here to do that, and like, yeah, mm-hmm. things like that. So, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's supposedly this is designed by Roberta Williams, who was the lady who created all these games. Oh, the she place. designed this game? Yeah. Well, that was the thing, like, it was, this game was announced at, was the video game like the VGX Awards last yeah, December. Yeah, yeah, they actually brought her out on stage to say, hey, oh, I'm yeah. coming back, I'm working on King's Quest. And so this is what resulted from that. And that's when she had the gun and the ski mask from the bank she robbed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Did she, did she design it, or was she there to go, That's yeah, the sure. question. Did she design this, or is she just, like, yeah, just signing off the Do check whatever. saying, yes, was I she consulting? But, like... Look it up. Well, I guess we'll find Here, out. Here, I'm literally looking it up right now. But, like, the art design is really nice. Like I said, at the beginning, like, it's just you in a silent woods with, like, a little bit of birds chirping and stuff like that. There's no mm-hmm. big... S- there's some music and stuff like that, but, like, the art design is really nice. Mm-hmm. And, like, the fact that the game just starts off with you in the woods, no context of what you're doing, and you're just already immediately in in the shoes of the of the character that you're playing as, yeah. which is kind of nice. And, yeah, no, like, yeah, wandering around... Ah, it's, it's, it's a pretty game. She did not even remotely design this game. What'd she do? I wanted to make sure we got the... Qu- right we're oh, no. the right sources we asked them what they used to look at it was grazing your bird to play it because she'd frequently stop and say oh i always wanted to do something oh, like no. that but we never had the technology <laughs> so she was like she was like she played it was like that did it suck. she did an afternoon of qa essentially uh, uh one question she'd ask at every scene of the game was can you die here what about here and here to which i'd say <laughs> of course that okay because mm. 
I can't believe I was misled by an advertisement of BTX Awards. You're telling me, because they really presented it as she's like, that's, I feel kind of bad because that's part of the reason. Because, like, I've always heard about she's one of the big pillars of adventure game design, so I wanted to play one of her games. Well, that's the other thing because, like, on uh, PSN, they advertise, so you can either buy the first episode because it's Mm -hmm. five episodes. Like, I see, in that way, it's like Telltale Games, and that's a seasonal thing with five episodes. You buy the first episode for 10 bucks. And then if you like that, there's a season pass which gives you all the other four episodes mm-hmm. for like like twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. But if you drop down forty bucks, you get all five episodes plus like a fr- like an extra like playable epilogue that mm-hmm. is exclusive to that thing. And oh, that's a weird model. Yeah, because originally I was just going to plop down tw- ten bucks for the first episode. Yeah. If I liked that, I would have. Uh, just gotten like the season pass, which it gives you all the other episodes. But between knowing that you get extra content if you just splurge for the whole yeah. thing in one big bundle, huh. and I saw a lot of people online freaking out about how great it was. This is this is actually half the reason why I bought this game. Yeah, Justin McRae was the only negative review about this. Game. <laughs> Justin McRae burned <laughs> my ass so bad, so bad in Arkham Knight. <laughs> yeah. that I'm like, okay, this could be the real test. Like how me and Justin McRae can walk forward in the future. <laughs> As reviewer and game reviewer reader, because if this game is as bad as he said it was, then okay, okay, maybe Arkham Knight is just like an back. aberration. So this is me okay, like now I'm actually invested in this journey. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not well, that he, that's too he, funny. he gave the game like a seven or something like sure, that. Sure, yeah. He, he I, I read his review and he was like basically like this was a little too uh, beholden to all the issues. There's a lot of backtracking. Uh, Like, whenever you accidentally do something, like, if you interact with an object, there's no way to uh, X out of it if you have to hear the same dialogue again. See, that's the thing, because Telltale took all that shit out, which means that you don't, you know, you just fucking blow right through it. If you're going to steal money from Homestuck, you should have stole a couple extra bucks so you could, like, have a little extra coding time to do that shit. Come on, modernize (laughs) this shit a little bit. So I'm already kind of seeing, so I'm already kind of seeing the frayed edges of this game, and Jeff McElroy was right on that. So (laughs) that's the thing. Part of me Part of me wants to think this is a great game and Justin McElroy is wrong. Yeah. But at the same time, part, if this game is about bullshit, I yeah. want to be proven wrong and be like, oh man, this wasn't worth 30 bucks. I'm so only this to Justin either McElroy. way you win. Yeah. <laughs> Let me another thing. What else? What are the exciting things that happened this this week? Great British Break Off. Uh-huh. Monster Factory. Yeah. yeah there's new Monster Factory. Got Dino us. Lansbury. <laughs> uh... <laughs> That's man, nothing. Yeah, man, yeah, Emily yeah. Carroll's poster for the My Brother and My Brother. And yeah, me. so um, uh, our favorite podcast, Mabim Bam, and if you're smart, your favorite podcast too, <laughs> not this garbage heap, uh, is uh, My Brother Brother and Me is having a Pacific Northwest tour for the first time. Uh, they're going to be in Portland, Vancouver, and Seattle. I got tickets. I'm very yes, excited. Sully and I are going to go see it. But yeah, um, my pal Emily Carroll did a really great, really charming as hell poster for it. Man, seeing Emily Carroll do a poster for those guys, it's like finding out that like. Who's your favorite actor going to be in your favorite like director's movie or something like that? It's like it's chocolate and peanut butter yeah, culturally. Yeah, so real good. And like part of real me was good. like, how does Emily know them enough to like? Because I know she listens. They the met at when I'm like, um, uh, they she must went be to Max Funcon. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you know? yeah, okay. Why isn't Emily Carroll doing more process for? She should do a great British Bake Off for us. She should. Bill, just want to do things that you love. Conley's her Commander Shepard picture last night. It was really great. It's good. We know so many artists. We know talented ass motherfuckers. Yeah. It's actually funny because I forget that because these people are just my friends and um, a friend of mine uh, Foley just made a new pal and we were talking to her one day and she was just like you guys are like best friends with Emily Carolyn you know the Fulbright people and your pals are like Dylan McConus and Bill Modred and like you know all 
these talented people. I'm like, they're just my best, my favorite assholes. Like, yeah. They're just my favorite assholes. That's the thing, man. I see it like Fulbright mm-hmm. talking to Ashley Birch and back and forth uh-huh. on the internet. I'm like, uh-huh. how I get, how we become best friends with those people. <laughs> Like me and Anthony Birch, we talk online and sure, stuff. Like yeah. we, he's actually commissioned me to a whole bunch of stuff. But like Ashley Birch seems like the be- one of the best people in the world. Part of me is like, how do we become her best? See, there is nothing. I yeah. love that dumb feeling. When yeah. You're, when you see someone you really like on social media and you're like, I really like you. How can we become friends? Yeah. And the thing is, is that I've managed to do it a handful of times, <laughs> just, just enough. enough to give me false confidence. Yeah. I just started following Terry Crews on Twitter. We're going to see how long it takes for us to be best. <laughs> how does he, does, he, is, does he tweet good? Is he entertaining? No. no, it's awful. Well, this week it's all about this new ad campaign that Old Spice is doing. Oh, but yeah, I, I love, saw that. They I brought him Terry, back. I, I didn't watch it, but I love Terry Crews. No, they brought back the, the original sexy black guy. Then, well, it, I, I know it's him and it Terry because Cruz. I follow Terry Crews on Twitter and I got to see a lot of links <laughs> to articles about it. But anyway, um, um, there yeah, is a nice. scene where he he is holding an old spice, uh, can of old spice, and explodes and has ribs. It has Speaking of talented pals, I'm really excited because um, my pal Kate Craig, who's uh, the environment artist for the Fulbright Company, yeah. just tweeted a little preview this morning. She's going to post a 10 page comic oh, to Gumroad next week. And I'm really, I really love I've Kate's never seen comics. Her cartoons, or, she, or comics she has or some really great comics on her site. She has one called Heart of Ice. That's one of my favorites, mm-hmm. and uh, I really like her as a storyteller because she has a very um, a very kind of to call it spare is to um, is 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 doing injustice. She doesn't feel the need to overly detail things. She allows it to be a lot left up to interpretation, but at the same time is not enigmatic. It she never hits you over the head with anything, and I really like her choice of color okay. and her character design. So I'm just like, yeah, Kate. I just I like the trapper keepers she designed for uh for, for uh, Gone Home. <laughs> she didn't do those. I thought she did. I thought she's, she's an environment artist. Environmental artist, not like the prop designer. No, I mean she'll she'll do the three new models and was stuff. That, but uh, she wasn't. They actually commissioned some folks to do the chapter keepers. Oh, okay. She did the um, over the Alps board game. Oh, okay, that's what I'm saying. So, like she did some this is great. Who's the who's who? Carla. She did some prop design. Carla. Carla is their predominant. Is their primary two D artist. Oh, okay. Because she doesn't do. She doesn't necessarily do as much of the um, the three D modeling. Which is funny because like, she's in Germany for Gamescom this week, and yeah. she's been posting just a whole bunch of like stupid shit she's just seen all over the place in Germany, <laughs> love, and that's. I love oh, Carla. Man. She's a good kid. Yeah, anyway, Carla. um, the only th- other thing I did this week is right before I came over, I caught up on this week's Hannibal, um, uh, that aired l- last night. Fucking Hannibal has taken a really good turn this season. I just saw so okay. So Bedelia came back. She, uh-huh. ex, that's who she played by X Files. She played by X Files. Alana uh-huh. Bloom has that was last week's episode. Baby, that was last week's episode. I thought you said he, he was trying to give her a pig baby, but now she is. That is what you pregnant. heard. She no, she she had a baby. This they had like three year jump. Oh she oh that's right. Okay yeah. The whole the whole point is that when the things went to shit in the Verger compound. Down. There, she, he had taken his sperm and his sister's eggs and put it in a pig, and there was a really intense, gross moment where they delivered this stillborn baby from the pig. It was really intense, and but the nature of the um, the will that gave the ver- that controls the verger fortune was that the verger fortune would only go to a male heir. Ah, so okay. they had to have a verger baby. So um, Carolyn Deverna bore. Burgers. Who went? Because they're both dead. No, wait, the ladies, the sister's still alive. The sister's alive alive and still. How did they get Mason Verger semen to get put in the. Because Mason Verger has a shit ton of his semen just sitting around in bottles because he's a big old weirdo. Uh, Well, I did that. He's been planning this for years. I did that for a couple years and I realized it became a storage issue. Okay, we really can't talk about this because it's going to gross me out. I'm going to talk about (laughs) Hannibal (laughs) and how. No, I don't want to talk about this and it's going to gross me out. 
Um, Hannibal, I've seen too many shit, too much shit on the internet talking about this. Actually, what you do after all you sell is sell it as, as poster paste to the local kindergarten for like really cheap. You know, Bill, my favorite part of the podcast is when I look you in the eye and say no, thank you, and then you do it anyway. It's I just so good. Me topless in a, in a four by four truck, just dropping off all these bottles of crusty white stuff. Wow! Like, and even just- after I looked you in the eye and said how I sarcastically how I love it when you non-consensually go on, you go on further. Okay, it's impressive. <laughs> Hannibal is really good this season, Bill. <laughs> Hannibal, it's just this weird thing happens. <laughs> And they kind of saw the writing on their wall. So, because no, I saw, well, it sounds like a Will Graham, the guy, actor, he's like signed up for another series and stuff. Yeah, so it sounds like it's really it's canceled. And they're like they they were talking about trying to figure something out else out, but all of the funding was yeah. um, this because it was all European funded, but it was all kind of based on having a network and all this. Yeah, so all the co- actors' all... contracts are up and they're all getting set. So if they ever exactly. want to continue this, they're going to have to renegotiate everything. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, but yeah. um, they kind of saw the writing on the wall, so they kind of compressed the first half of the season to get capture of. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say seriously. And frankly, yeah. this show works a lot better when they're not fucking just you know wandering their dicks out. Because that was time. what most of season two was. And and that's that's why it's really crazy. Yeah. So the first half of the season was okay, and they did all that, and that was kind of interesting. But the back half, they're doing the Red Dragon and the Tooth Fairy Dollarhide, and uh, they got um, uh, Richard Armitage to play Dollarhide. Dude's doing a phenomenal job. Like, really fucking good is this character. Most of the scenes with Dollar Hyde, it's just him being a weirdo in a room. What's this killer? Why is he crazy? Is he stealing people's teeth? His, no. His whole thing is that um, he's called the Tooth Fairy because he kills families in the night and he has like a faux, t- he has some sort of weird t- tooth mark thing and he bites me. I don't know. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, uh, most of the scenes with Richard Armitage are literally just him being like being tormented alone. Okay. And it should just be really like eh, whatever jerk off motion but he's doing such a good job tortured and, white guy yeah yeah exactly and that's i feel gross liking it like thinking he's doing such a good job because i'm like it's just like oh it's an insane complicated white man isn't that really no, something well, like, this going back to our beginning really of our good. conversation like an actor's what they bring to that role yeah. can fill out or kind of like transform that role into something that actually becomes compelling it's despite really what good. the concept of that character in that role is. Also, yeah. I'll go back to Armitage in a second, but um, they've done a really good job of connecting Hannibal to kind of like the pop- popular conception of who Cannib- Hannibal is, is this like f- this, this really intense dude in a cell because you can see that Hannibal is becoming more like Hannibal is a lot of things but Hannibal was never overt yeah like he was never he would never overtly fuck with people it was always very subtle and he was always a little more thoughtful about it that was kind of the playful thing about the show especially in the first season where you know you know what he is and you can see how he's toying with people but he's being very coy about it exactly what's really interesting is you see this and the dude is just to a certain degree bored so he's like he's fucking with people more explicitly Okay. He's bored. Which is funny because that's supposed to be what's happening with Lecter in the movies and yeah. everything like that. That's why he's so enamored with Cleary Starling because yeah. that's someone whose intelligence he can kind of fuck with and yeah. Okay, like yeah. you can see that. I mean, he the whole the nature of his confinement is that he has all these things. Like he has these things around him. Is he living like he, Bubble Boy? He, yes, Bill. <laughs> he has his rich. Uh, what the fuck is it called? His mind palace. Yeah, where, exactly. You know, yeah. He goes to and everything like that. Like he's doing fine. But you can tell whenever he's talking. Is to that people. how they excuse him? Still being dressed in like fancy suits exactly. and stuff like that? Yeah, because like there are scenes uh, where you'll like. The, 
the, especially at the start of this half of the season where it was Hannibal be talking to someone and they will actually in quote unquote the real world be in the in yeah the you asylum. mentioned this how and then, but yeah. in the, then the scene will actually be between Hannibal and whomever in his office and everything else. Okay, yeah. so it's been handled very well so but um, uh, yeah it's just great you can see him toying with people a little more because why the fuck not everyone knows who he is and he only has so much time so he may as well make the most of it and uh, his game is becoming a little more overt and it, they, it, it's really convincing the way that's transitioned. Yeah. So um, Richard, and so Foley's read all these books, but a long time ago. She remembers parts of it, but not all of it. Um, Dollar Hyde, and this apparently is from the, in the books, Dollar Hyde works at a film company, like doing film development or something. I don't know. I don't really know. I don't really care. <laughs> Ultimately, there's another woman who works there who's blind. And they, it's this really well-cast is that, woman. They do that in the show? Yeah. Because who's developing the film these days? You think that's something that would have to change a little bit? Just Bill, to... it's an affected show about serial killers. It is not set in the real world, buddy. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good it point. It is yeah. high fucking fantasy. <laughs> um. Uh, anyway, uh. So uh. He's he he's developing this relationship with this blind woman, and the way that it's being shown is really nicely it's really kind of coolly done because in there it's very subtle and like they um like you see she mentions that um this is kind of her first real job because mostly what she's done and real but her mostly what she's done is she's worked with other blind people to help them um be able to navigate normal jobs yeah. and like the quote-unquote real world and everything like that because i think they imply that she was sighted and lost her vision at some point so anyway she also apparently did speech therapy. And so Dollar Hyde kind of fascinates her because he has a cleft palate and she he can tell she can tell that he's trying very hard to be something else. And he is fascinated because he has all these self-image issues. Yeah. Like both that he assumes that everyone sees him as a freak, but at the same time he wants to be seen for this creature that he is. And it's a weird kind of self-loathing and like self-actualization yeah. thing. Anyway, so she she can't see him, and so he's fascinated by her perception of him. So he gets to paint a picture of who he is to her, he, sort of. And at the same time, he gets to be kind of delighted by, or there's a certain pleasure in how she perceives him, because it's not this it there's no aspect of the visual at all like yeah exactly it, he gets to control the whole like what's going on not yes and no at the same time because yeah. still you know he's still a very guarded withdrawn person yeah so um, well it's a different dynamic with her than anyone else like you just yeah. see in the novelty of that exactly. alone would be just interesting yeah. so um and she finds him fascinating um because she can tell that he's trying very hard to restrain himself and all this stuff and she feels very sympathetic to him and you know um and, and empathetic to him so anyway there was a this week's episode i think is actually the best episode of Hannibal ever because it, it was really nicely done and uh, Hannibal is in an interesting place and Will Graham was very sparingly in the episode which is frankly better and the, you could see some shit with Bedelia that was really good there's at some point where um, Bedelia is giving this lecture about how Hannibal manipulated her and brainwashed her and all this mm-hmm. and afterwards Will who drops in halfway through goes up to her and goes that was a whole load of wank wasn't it you were a killer blah 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 you weren't you weren't uh, kidnapped by the monster you were the bride of Frankenstein and Bedelia just gives him this look like fuck you and she said yeah well you were also the bride of frankenstein too motherfucker i like that this season they're just like no it's Laying not subtext. Table, yeah murder husbands bride of frankenstein it's all just text at this point 
But so that was all really great. But then all this shit. Did she actually call him the Bride of Frankenstein? Bedelia looks him in the face and says, "You are the Bride of like, Frankenstein." Yeah, too, okay, because that's the whole sexual thing. Yeah, yeah it, it's yeah. interesting that they're yeah. being kind of more overt with it. It was really good. But then you had the, so all that was really great. But you have um, the this woman and I can't remember her character's name now. And Dollarhide get closer and closer. And there's this one of the there's this one scene where he takes her to the zoo. And uh, because a, he says, have you ever have you ever seen a tiger? And she's like, no. And um, he said, would you like to touch one? There's one that's having tooth surgery or something. They've had to put it under. Yeah. And you can go touch the tiger. And there's it, it's like one of the best scenes of the whole fucking show. Because she, she's in this room and it's all like in the context of her alone trusting him in this strange new context. And you know that he's a killer and you've seen him do these terrible things. So he, seeing him be gentle and thoughtful with her is yeah. very jarring and like uh, 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 very discomforting. And he uh, like it, the way it's shot is so nice. And he goes up and before she even touches the tiger, she's like, describe it to me. And he says like there's this orange and it's so bright. It's like bleeding into the air. And so the visuals uh, on, on on screen change and the br- and the orange becomes more vibrant and it's like her seeing it through his oh, eyes okay. and, yeah. and then she starts touching the tiger and he's just watching her it's like oh she's she's able to touch the monster it's about as subtle as a brick upside the head but it's so well done and like her the look on her face that she is so fearless in doing it because she trusts him and there's one moment where she's feeling his fur and like it should be too long it should be masturbatory yeah. but it's such a good character moment that it just works and the music is perfect because it's kind of beautiful and then she gets she starts feeling she feels like the, the delicacy of its ear and down the rough and then she goes and she touches its teeth and dollar hide in that moment is so like he feels so raw and exposed you see he literally like grips his mouth to keep from screaming like yeah. he's just and the, jesus but she's able she touches it and it's not you know, it's just part of the creature and part of the beast. And the moment passes. And she just lays down. She just lays her head and her bo- drapes her body on this creature and just starts weeping because it's just so beautiful. And it's just like, it's such a, it should be such a hokey, like, overt thing. But it was one of the best, it was one of the best moments in that's, Hannibal. That's kind of like Hannibal's whole shtick is kind of like... Hannibal, it's like it's always dialed up to arch, yeah, and way too artful and way too affected. But at its best, it transcends the garbage that it is and actually becomes really like Foley and I are watching this almost crying because you can't help but be sympathetic to this murderer in this moment. Yeah, exactly. Like the show has wanted us to be sympathetic to Hannibal and Will, but they're both such asshole douchebags in such distinct ways. And it's not that Dollar Hyde isn't an asshole douchebag; he is. He's this terrible, broken man, but he is ultimately broken and you see him do terrible things in this episode and it's so good that they're able to make you be empathetic and then there's a scene where he go they go back to his house and she makes him drink she makes the both of them drinks and like the way they shoot her feeling her way through making this cocktail is so nicely done and and they wind up having sex and it's like such a cathartic well done sequence that afterwards I was like god damn Hannibal like they're really amping up their game and it just proved to me that Hannibal is at its most interesting when it's trying something different and it's doing something a little outside of its established norm so Hannibal's really good Hannibal being outside of the it's like going outside I was going towards something about about touching tigers I was going somewhere about identity and self and I can't remember where I was going with it so Uh, speaking of identity and self uh, Richard Armitage he is he played uh, Thorne Oak and Shield in the Hobbit movies, the uh-huh. reviled Hobbit movies. Yeah. Turns out 
making this full circle, turns out he's in the Phantom Menace. He's in the Phantom he Menace. He plays one of the Naboo guards. Oh, he's and you can only recognize three. him in one scene at the end of the movie when Natalie Portman goes to like make a like a sign like like sign a treaty with like mm-hmm. the head Gungan, the fat guy. Yeah. You can see he's standing right behind. Well, it's funny because actually. It's funny because that's one of the scenes too. Because Kira Knightley is also in the Phantom Menace, uh-huh, and yeah. she plays one of the fake she's a, yeah queens? one of the fake ladies. And so yeah. she's the fake queen, kind of like talking to the head Gungan guy, and her bodyguard is the Hobbit. <laughs> so you have Elizabeth Swan, <laughs> first Caribbean, from being protected by Hobbit slash the Tooth Fairy. Oh yeah, there he is. Yeah, that's I only heard funny. about that just recently. So watching it, well, especially watching the shit in HD now, is like you could totally kind of see a little bit if you could picture him with like a big beard and mm-hmm. everything like that. How's the makeup for his cleft palate? That's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty damn good. But I feel bad. Yeah, we had to take a break for a moment. Well, we had to good. like, you got to call heed the call of nature. Um, it's real good. But I'm glad that Hannibal. Somewhere. I like the Hannibal's going out on a high note. How many episodes are left? Uh, not super many. I think like four. I do like the man. I have to catch up. It, like like I said, I like the first season. The second season, I'm with. But like, if they're doing stuff, so is he gonna have to kill? Well, see, that's why I keep looking at fully going fully. What happens? I'm gonna can't end well. No, and I'm like, is she gonna kill like, him? What is gonna happen? with this relationship because I'm like really now I'm all invested in this weird empathetic dangerous thing going on and she's like I can't remember <laughs> I'm like I want I want one for spoilers but I'm kind of tempted to look up shit the and, way but, the show changes stuff she yeah. maybe just entirely invented for the show well, she knows she's not in the book she's invented she's his dog <laughs> Who the fuck knows? Well, the th- and also the thing is, is that the Hannibal, I, I, like I said, I'm enjoying Hannibal because they're doing something different and taking their time to explore a different character and an interesting character who's being really well acted. And I kind of don't, I want to see where this goes. I want, because I, I'm on, I'm on the edge of my seat with this shit. Yeah. Not so much with, um, like I, I just think it's interesting what they're doing with Hannibal and Dollar Hyde's relationship with Hannibal because Dollar Hyde has called Hannibal to talk to him, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, and yeah, what's Dollar Hyde's relationship to Hannibal? Like, what? he literally called and said, you know, basically because he wanted, he's like, you know, I really admire your work. This is like, like the dry run for Silence of the Lambs where they're using, like, Will Graham's trying to capture Dollar Hyde well, and he has well, to talk to Will Graham doesn't know that Hannibal has any sort of relationship with Dollar Hyde because oh, okay, he just okay, he okay, goes okay, and he's okay, like, yeah. I need your help. Buddy, pal. Because I know there's a couple times where the FBI has to come to uh, to to Hannibal and in, be like, "Help us!" You know, in the context you're so of, smart about crazy people. In the context of um, the show, this is the first time Hannibal has been helping the. Police. It is. It is nice because the least interesting part of the show for me is Will all Graham. that murder. Yeah, yeah his, Hannibal's relation to Will Graham. Yeah. Well, it's nice to see all this other shit being brought yeah. into play. See, that's, that's so not just interesting. No, because it's funny because I actually like the guy playing Will Graham. Yeah, he does a fine Graham, job. But just like the whole like. And you end up stuff between like, Hannibal and Will Graham where it's like, oh, who's the real monster? It's, it's, it's who really like, needs like, whom? It's like we just had it's so just many like, scenes where they monologue at each other. Relationship. That's yeah. really all. It is kind yeah. of a romantic relationship that they oh, yeah. will never be consummated. And yeah. it's just like them flirting for three seasons. Care. Like, oh come on, guys. This, the weakest, Hire a babysitter. The the weakest huh. parts of Hannibal are always any scene where Will Graham has a monologue with someone. And that's where, like, the first half of the season is kind of yeah. rough because it's Will Graham looking for Hannibal. And it's like, can you jerk make Will Graham because he's crazy too, but he's not interesting in a way yeah, that kind of makes him. stop saying crazy, dude. He's, crazy. he's, he's oh, he, well, yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, his, 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 at the end of the day, Will Graham is not a terribly interesting character. Have you seen the way he draws clocks? He got issues. <laughs> and uh, the way his relationship, I don't know. It's just like they're doing something slightly more interesting with Will Graham, but there's still any moments where. That's why it was really nice to have this scene with Bedelia and Will in this episode because Will shows up. It's 
like, monologue, monologue. And she just looks at him and rolls her eyes, essentially. And if it's then, also a meta moment where, yeah, yeah it's commenting it's, on the show almost, and, yeah. And, like, then she reveals some aspect of herself and in the process is commenting on the difference between the two of Did them. Did she and leave really him in Europe? Well, I guess if he's captured, they had to... Bill catch up with it? No. Did she, uh, she The whole thing is that she... No, no, no. He leaves, and she's captured, and she says that she was brainwashed. Oh, okay. Because so I know, because according to, to Brian Foley, he was trying to set it up that she was trying to, like, alert people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back, like, she at the beginning part of the season. trapped by him. Like, there's... Like, this was not well, a super... It's not like she had to get on the plane with him at the end of the well, season. Well, see, that's the thing. Well, like, how did she end up trapped with the guy in the first place? It's not like, literally, she's chained to the dashboard. It's more... Kind of you know, close to that, almost. At least emotionally that's what it is well, you kind of wonder thing. It's like, she's smart it's and she knows it's she's got Hannibal's number yeah. how does she manipulate herself into being under his thumb then yeah because all she has to do is well, call the cops and say hey you know what this Hannibal guy he fucked up their relationship is much more complicated I than, know that's the you know, I know that's, that's why this show is good so anyway I'm really excited as much as I am Hannibal's not a good show no, it's, not. it's really not but I like it and I'm glad if it's gonna what die pulpy dramas are good because the whole kind of pulpy part is kind of like the fact that it's kind of gross well, and revels in its own no, shit a little here's bit. the thing like I, you can not, like you can still call something good even if it's not classically a well, perfect work of art. Like Hannibal. Magic Mike XXL is a good movie. Okay. It is a ridiculous movie. It is not trying to be anything more than it is, but it managed to do it very well. Hannibal's the fat white guy on the bus who's in like a man diaper who sits down and shits in his shit on shit and sits in it and like <laughs> settles it and stares at you while he's doing it and daring you to say something oh, but Bill. you can't look away no, he's like because, come on say no, something no because Bill Hannibal is the art gallery show where you've paid $50 to get in to see a large man <laughs> in a diaper take a shit and make eye on contact on a cut out like installation the of the bus where yeah. he's staring at you <laughs> as an art gallery visitor yeah Hannibal is sometimes I mean the thing about Hannibal at its best it's always trying something god bless it. So I especially for a show that will have only been around for three seasons, it, it definitely shot off in a lot of crazy directions. Yeah, and like I'm yeah. glad that they're doing something that they're they seem to be going out on a high note. Is I mean, it could all fall scarred apart. up and stuff. No, okay, because well, not think... on the outside. Oh, well, I know because uh, the second season spoilers ends with everyone getting chopped up. Well, they all talk about how scarred they are, but they don't see anything. They're all well, and also kind of everybody is all dressed and everything. It's I not know. like you think someone would at least. Fonz's Bill... name's got his fucking neck cut. And he's, like, walking around, like, look at my new necktie. <laughs> I don't have any scars. The surgeon was that good. Anyway, friends, we're going to take a little break. I'm cowboy cutters. <laughs> and we'll be back. Okay, I got to say the worst part about Hannibal is that <sighs> now don't, that um, yeah. Martin Lawrence, or not Martin Lawrence. Whoa! Martin Fishborn. I couldn't remember. Is that his name? Lawrence Fishburne. There we go. Took me a while to get to his actual name. Martin. Lawrence Fishburne is... Martin um, Lawrence. Now that he's outside of Larry his... Larry Fishburne, yeah. Um, now that he's outside, now that he's back kind of in the FBI, you don't get to see him in his non-suit clothes, which, which is, really makes stuff. me sad, because I liked how they costumed him in his casual clothes. They killed off, wear. what's his face? They killed off his wife, too. Right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Grant, the only thing she was doing for the last couple episodes was <laughs> off screen, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but still. So, anyway, uh, that, uh, Hannibal is so bad it's good. No, see, the thing is, like, it's not so bad it's good. It is really bad and really good at the same time. Do they it still have the Cranable opening sequence where they're splashing ocean spray Cranable juice on people's faces? <laughs> yes. It's Cranable. Every time I see that movie, I'm like, yes. Friends, we're going to take a little bit break, and then we'll be back for the Geek Week in review. Lego convention last uh, 
Was it was it springtime? How long ago did we go to the one? Uh, I, can't, I can't They had the guy who was selling the Lego trees. Yeah. So like but like my uh, Paris restaurant, I've got like a little Lego tree out front. Not like the little plastic cone thing. Yeah. But I guess since we're recording it's now, like I'm explaining kit. to the listeners. Yeah, but right. they had like the like kind of like the big foliage, kind of fluffy trees that mm-hmm. you can uh, uh, build and. Since I've got like a Lego winter cottage there, I should yeah. check because he didn't have any winter trees, but he yeah. had fall and spring, yeah. you know, green spring trees. And then he had fall like autumnal, which I bought a couple of those. But I should see if he has a one like with leaves molded in white for. We for may winter. need to after the podcast talk about this because there are some things that I may want to order from them, and we may as well group up. Well, shipping. what do you need? More foliage. This is stuff. not interesting podcast. No, so you just hey, congratulations too. You just finished your first. Was it this your first draft with the Benton Bar? Well, I've done some sketches before, but this is the first one that's kind of like by sketches a you mean like build final. sketches, yeah. right? Yeah, where I've done like some concepty things. How do you and... document like how you built that stuff? So you can replicate it if you like it. Around. Okay, because I don't know if you were taking photos and kind of like maybe like writing down like okay I use this or maybe like drawing a little like diagram. Nothing I'm doing is built. that complex. Oh, okay, yeah. it's really just like I wonder what this will look like and try it out. So how? Did you get the light in. shining in through the bottles? We should maybe we'll have to post photos to the, the show. I, uh, the... I shot it outside, so it was just during the day. That was just the way the daylight. Is there a hole in the back of the bar? Because you had sunlight like... shining, shining through the bottles on the back of the bar. It looked really cool. It's essentially, I in my brain, is like windows. Yeah. So they're just part of the Okay, exterior. that makes sense. Okay, yeah. And my my thought is that like I could see that possibly... I finished... I made one side look kind of like an aspect of the architecture so that it could theoretically be exposed, but the back and the other side I designed kind of be like, you know, that's not anything anybody's looking at. So yeah. I could do like those other elements. So I finally... The reason we started talking about that, Annie just finished the, uh, the bar button and I just finished building up these two uh, Ikea cases mm-hmm. uh, that I'm storing all my Lego stuff in. And I did the thing last year where I took two Le- Star Wars Lego cantina sets and mm-hmm. built them into one big cantina. So yeah. I have like the cantina and the round. Yeah. And I, and I knew I had a bunch of other... St- uh, last year when we went to Bricks and Minifigs, I bought uh-huh. a bunch of Simpsons and and, and uh, Simpsons and Star Wars Lego minifigures. Uh-huh. Put them in a bag. I can't remember where I put them Oh, out. no! It's killing me because I've oh, got R2-D2 no. and some yeah. and some other droids. Oh, I've got man. all the Simpsons stuff that I can yeah. populate. Like, I've got the Quickie Mart there. Yeah. I know. It's not like I threw it away. I know I'm... I think oh, yeah, I had a yellow plastic bag. <laughs> oh, poor Now, I've done this... No, I've moved enough stuff around in the last year. I I'm not quite that. sure where I put it. Cause I really I know, hate that. Because part of me is like, well, fine. I can just go fucking buy it again. It'll just be like another no, like 30 bucks. because then you'll have... You know you'll find it the day after you buy it. Do you need extra du- duplicate Simpsons in case I, I find that bag again? That's what I'm saying. So I have to figure out what I do with that. So it's tearing me apart, Lisa. (laughs) Did I tell you where the Bricks and Minifigs announced where their Portland location is going to be? Did I tell you this? Oh, wait. Is that open yet? No, it's going to open this fall. It's going to be be? up on Sandy. Like, I'm of like 35th no higher up on sandy is that close to us it's northeast portland okay it's um, in town it's, it's closer not like to the hollywood Camby, district yeah. exactly it's in portland is it gonna be a big place um yeah well it, i know the building it's in it's gonna be right next to where there's the hollywood liquor now but it's right like not too far from uh steam portland's gay bathhouse oh and i as soon as i heard this out of like alternate universe dude annie is having a good afternoon have you ever gone there it's a gay bat. It's not a... F- so it's guy gay. It is See, a man I know so many lesbians. I, I assume gay equals lesbians. Long ago, I applied to be the receptionist, and I did not even get contacted. It's Aww. almost like they didn't want a Catholic I was about to say, yeah, they probably want, like, fucking be, Richard Armitage. They, no, the guy, they, the, the kid they got instead to be their um, receptionist was actually featured in the Willy Week as, like, Portland's sexiest uh, sex-related employees. They had, like, wow. three, they had, like a sex shop and, uh, clerk and that person. You're gonna get beat else, out. That's so. a pretty good person. Exactly. I was like, it was one of those moments. 
that's where I was like, all right, I, I concede to your victory, I guess. Like, me, the straight uh, lesbian woman. Do you care about Ruby Jewel? The ice cream shop? Um, I'm not a big artisanal ice cream person. Like I've never saying. gone to Salt and Straw, because this is, this is in, in baseball. Welcome to Portland. Yeah, Portland, Portland chat. talk. But, uh, yeah, so Salt and Star is, like, the big artisanal ice cream shop here in town. Uh-huh. Uh, and I guess their big competitor is Ruby Jewel, and I guess they're going to open up a Ruby Jewel right in the Hawthorne condo building that they're, they've built right uh-huh. next to Jakaiva's. And I was kind of curious, because um, everyone says their stuff is it's, good. It's good. They have a lot of peanut butter and chocolate stuff, yeah, so I'm assuming do. they must be doing something right, because I like, like them more than Salt and Straw, because Salt and Straw is doing more, like, is, is really doing artisanal, like, they're really exploring flavors, like, you'll get totally different stuff, whereas Ruby Jewel tends to be just, like, really good, very variants of classic favorites. It seems like, but yeah, it's not like, here's our, like, here's our, like, strawberry like leaf and, and fart blood. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, because yeah. it is, like, here, yeah, it's just the random shit, I, like, fruit I've never heard of mixed with, like, shoving goat's feet. I mean, it's good, don't get me wrong, it's but I want, good. I like, I want fucking ice cream. I, I just want, want ice cream. I want, I want like, vanilla. mega Ben and Jerry's. I want chocolate, I want cookies and cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if they have, like, a peanut butter chocolate thing, I found out the that. other day that if you ever get uh, milk and cookies from mm-hmm. Ben and Jerry's, that is just the their uh, what's it like like Oreos and, and vanilla? Cookies and cream? It's cookies and cream. Yeah, yeah. I I felt tra- I like cookies and cream, but I thought Were it was going to be something else because it wasn't. I thought it was going to be vanilla ice cream with actually like cookie crumble inside. It really was just like cookies and cream, where it's just like the well, soft, some, like an ice cream sandwich. Yeah, the, the, the sandwich. Some part. cookies and cream is more. But there's nothing. Authentic. It was. It tasted fine. Yeah, oh, but I it, thought it was going to yeah. be like like it was. Oh, this is just what they call like you know just like. If they had Neapolitan, they would call it not yeah. Neapolitan. It would be yeah. like butt The three musketeers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, friends. Believe it or not, this is part of our podcast called The Geek <laughs> Week in Review, where we discuss the news in the week that was. Bill, thank you for putting this here, presumably for my use, because I can't imagine anyone else. Did you actually read cares. about this news? No, this is my first time So, you have to click it. through the show notes and tell us what this is Bill about. Bill notes The Dig 1.5. So, here is what this I is know, and this is what I'm guessing from this little bit of paragraph that I read. The Dig is one of my favorite LucasArts adventure games and I mostly loved it a lot because it was a much... It was a weird, problematic little baby, to use Tumblr terms. Wasn't it kind of like Spielberg was somehow involved? That's the story I'm about to tell. Steven Spielberg had a concept for a video game. Um, uh, he, I think he originally wanted to put it in what was his anthology show, Great Adventures or whatever. Amazing Stories. Amazing Stories. He wanted to do it in an Amazing oh, Stories no episode, okay. but he realized it was too ambitious, and he and he was talking hmm. to George Lucas. George Lucas is like, well, and he was like, oh, it would be a really good story based adventure game. So, oh, this, which makes sense because he had Lucas Arts and this. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, that's huh. so. And so you have like some 3D sequences done by ILM in it, and it was like and really good music for the time. So it's like full video. And no, 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 it's not an FMV game. It's in no, I'm just saying. At least if there's cutscenes with like industrial light magic is involved, do you think there'd be some kind of like it's it's pre-rendered CGI? Oh, so just CGI. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's all it is. And um, okay, I was picturing live actors walking around or something. It's like that. interesting because it was a different, a very different aesthetic from other LucasArts adventure games. It was kind of like a more car- comic book, cartoony sort of thing, very stylized. The protagonist was voiced by what's his butt, Doggett from X Files, Terminator Two. I actually, uh, Patrick name? Sherman. Pa- <laughs> Patrick Sherman. Where the fuck is that? <laughs> That guy. Uh, that's uh, the T-1000 guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the... Uh Boston, uh, the commander of the space flight is Boston. The premise of this game is really dumb because it's there's an asteroid coming towards Earth. This crew is sent up to uh, set off a bomb that will adjust the path. 
And for some reason, the crew that they send up is like this this astronaut guy, Boston Lowe, um, a German scientist who's like your classic German villain, like ah, ah, you're actually, but I am a villain. That was my <laughs> German accent, apparently. Um, a reporter and a, a senator. And a senator, yeah, a, a, this lady who's a senator who's also like an engineer. I may be misremembering it, but I vaguely remember that she was a senator too. It's like an inter- it's a weird kind of cast. I kind of like that as long as they embrace that how goofy that is. Yeah. Well, the movie is a very I mean, the game. See, you can't help but talk about it in movie terms because yeah. it, it's a ve- it treats its own thing very earnestly, its own concept very earnestly, and there's a weird sense a lack of um, uh, stakes to it for being about because uh, I think they're all like. Like, yeah, we could do this, no problem. Anyway, when they go to this asteroid, they find that um, they are actually... Are they transported or something? Anyway, they wind up um, making contact with an alien civilization. And um, I really liked this game. And at the time, I actually... Uh, I was involved with a LucasArts fan site called Mix and Mojo. And I, I ran and set up the Dig fan site, which, like all uh-huh. good fan sites of the late 90s, I put a lot of effort into the shell of it and then didn't do a damn thing with it. So, um, Did anybody ever eventually contribute to it? Um, oh, yeah. People did. And I put okay. some stuff up on well, it. Okay, so I did a little bit of something. But I, yeah. I, I, I farted it out, basically. <laughs> um, uh, there's, like, a, a tablet in the game that's like your inventory and everything so it made the site look like this happened. Yeah. But anyway, it, what's interesting in the development of the game is that it, it was actually had two very distinct um, uh, structures to it. Like there was there was one take at it that went one way and then it got scrapped and taken over by I think, I can't remember which one. One was done by Brian Moriarty who was the developer of Loom. Okay. And um, uh, the other one, it wound up going in a different tact, and that was the game that was released. So from the little bit, so there's of, two different versions of the game out there, kind of. Sort of like the a one that's bit, out yeah. there is there is there was a different development process, and I'm not I can't kinda remember. Like a, if a movie's taken away from a director, like someone exactly. else kind of cuts it and like does their own cut of it. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I think the Brian Moriarty one was the one that was did not happen. Okay. So anyway, according to this um, this rumor that Bill posted, um, the rumor it, I will not read to you from this century uh, rumor did. Disney, this is a NeoGAF entry, Disney releasing new alternate version of The Dig on November 30th. There's a rumor going around that Disney is working on remaking or finishing an alternate, so far unreleased version of The Dig and is planning on releasing it on November 30th. This version mm. was created by Brian Moriarty, famous for Loom and Fate of Atlantis, before moving on from the project later. The game that was eventually released was very different and very much smaller in scale and ambition, made by a team led by Sean Clark. And then there's all sorts of background on it. So I'm curious to go back and... But yeah, it's such a very specifically about the date being November 30th yeah, and stuff. Weird. It seemed like, like, I, this is a rumor. It's NeoGAF rumor. So there's already 70 for 70% chances. Yeah. Completely fabricated bullshit. Sure. But you do have the big Disney conference happening next week slash weekend D23 mm-hmm. when they announce stuff. Mm-hmm. So if it's ever going to be announced, especially if it's coming out this November 30th, we'll probably find out next week if it's actually true. It's an interesting idea because um, there is a commercial release. The dig is one of the first Ed- LucasArts adventure games that you could buy on steam. Because yeah. they re-released it, like, a while ago. Well, that's one of the first games, because there was a LucasArts Adventure Pack, and I got yeah. that in, like, the Fates of Atlantis yeah. and all this so, stuff. And yeah, so, I, and I, I need to go back and replay the dig. I tried to... <laughs> I tried yeah. to play it and show it to Foley, because I'm like, Foley, I really liked this game. I want to share it with you. But it's such a kind of... Uh-huh. I mean, it's like the game I can see up. something like that bouncing so hard off of Foley, it like, opens, you have to go back into the river to get it back. It opens with this yeah. press conference, 
that's kind of weirdly tonally strange for these people who are trying to prevent this meteorite from smashing into Earth. It's all text and stuff. No, no, it's, this is like a CG. This is like a oh, actually pseudo animated, oh, okay, okay, yeah. fully voiced because this was of that era. And um, so, yeah, so you have that, and then you basically go into a tutorial sequence, which is the astronauts um, making first contact with the asteroid. Okay, and it's all very kind of quiet and yeah. laborious. It's and all it's, space stuff, and yeah, it's really and like it's, and it's I a magic re- game set in space that's supposed to be kind of like slightly scientifically accurate, so it's kind of cold and kind of detached a little it's, bit. That's not. It's more just like it's a tutorial in a weird adventure well, yeah. game where there's, you don't get a lot of warmth from it because all the warmth is for the characters. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just and, and the characters. It's so weird to have open with this press conference because I pitched it fully. I'm like, oh yeah, it's this neat kind of sci-fi game. It's an adventure thing, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, why the fuck is is a senator going out there? Why on this mission that will essentially save the human race? If you pitch it the same way to me, I would be like, what the fuck is this? reporter on the crew? Like, what is happening? So yeah, it bounced right off her and I was so sheepish and embarrassed that I couldn't play anymore. The weird thing is, if this is actually true, that would insinuate that like Disney has some kind of interest in going back and revisiting those games at all, which... Well, obviously they do because they did the partnership with Grim Fandango. They're doing well, the Day of the Tentacle stuff. Are they? They don't have anything to do with Thimbleweed Park, do they? No, okay. none whatsoever. Ron yeah. Gilbert is doing that unrelated in um, his basement. Just yeah. exactly. People keep on trying to stop him, and he just keeps on breaking into. Because after that, like really, all that's left is Full Throttle. That's kind of it. And then you've got pretty much all the Golden Age of LucasArts adventure games available. Mm-hmm. Sa- did Santa Max get a re-release? It did not. Not you, that I know. Do I think of. you can buy it? Maniac Mansion, is that available? Because uh, Man- Maniac Mansion, Day of the Tentacle, they're on Steam? Day of the Tentacle is not. I don't believe Maniac Day Mansion Tentacle. is. You think they would, like, That's the one. That? The, the uh, Double Fine is working on a remaster right now. Day of the Tentacle? Yeah. Oh, that's right. So who knows? Maybe they'll announce next weekend. Ideally, it'd be great if they announced that, hey, we actually have this thing where we're going to be bringing back some of these old games a little bit. Man, I would love that. It's going to cost us 10 cents, so why not? The thing is, is that in my perfect world, I would love them to contract Double Fine to make a new Full Throttle game. And I don't think you could make Tim Schafer make another adventure game. After all the shit that happened with Broken Age and, like... Well, if he could do it and do it on his own schedule and kind of quietly put it together and not have to be beholden to everybody, like, yeah, that might be a little Bit of a different but thing. also, you know, you gotta kind of feel that as a creator, you don't want to spend all of your time just revisiting prior. Works. Although it's easier and cheaper to do than like having like like their three D games have kind of been hit or miss to say the least. Yeah. At least with like, but I'm just I'm not talking about commercially or financially oh, or from a business perspective. I'm creative. saying you as a creator, exactly. It's like I mean, I remember when he was like announcing Day of the Tentacle, he could not have looked less excited about it because <laughs> yeah. it's just like, yep, we're doing another. I guess this is my glory days. I'm always going to be going back to this well. Uh-huh. This is it. This is the rest of my life. Yeah, exactly. Is remaking like, the stuff I made when I was 22. Can you imagine? That would suck so hard. Especially when a lot of these games are very much so feel like the era they, they were in. Like, yeah. very much so. Like, I, I went back and replayed Full Throttle, and it was, and fully really enjoyed it, but I forgot how much of that game is the spaces in between that mm-hmm. exist in your mind, and also how much of the pleasure of that game was that it was so different from anything else at the time. Again, and also showing someone a game for your childhood. Yeah. We talked about this, like, not too long ago, yeah. about how so much far fond memories of those games is for that time and place. Yeah. And it's hard to show a game to someone who's not interested in that game in the cold mm. light of day here's this game here's yeah, how I felt about exactly, it exactly yeah. expect them to kind of like even even understand the vibes exactly the good feelings you get from this game it's yeah. really funny when you do it with someone that you're in a relationship though yeah. because like one of the things that Foley and I like a lot of our any conflicts that we have in a relationship pretty much boil down to a moment where we remembered that we're different people <laughs> 
<laughs> where it's like, oh, you feel like this because you're actually a different human being from me and not part, this unit we is actually a unit, yeah. two parts of a whole as opposed to, uh, like, two distinct po- holes that make additional whole, not actually, yeah. you're allowed to be you're your not, you're, you're, not a, you're not a fusion mm, yet. It's like, yeah. uh, la- I was really, my depression has been kicking my ass lately and I've been making me angry and I've come home mad a couple of times. And fully on Friday, she was trying to make me, you know, we were hanging out a little bit and I was like, um, I'm just not in the mood for anything. And she decided that she wanted to um, watch Angels in America. She really likes Angels in America. It was a Broadway That's per, the AIDS uh, thing, thing right? about the AIDS crisis yeah. in the early 90s. And HBO did a media series of it. She's like, let's watch Angels in America. Boots up the first one. And I was like, I'm nope. going to take a bath. Goodbye. And it was funny because, you know, it's totally one of those moments where the same thing. It's like, you're hurt not so much because, like, whatever. Someone's allowed to have their own opinions. You're like, this is important to me. Why isn't it magically important to you? Why don't you just seismically ex- absorb my horse shit. Anyway, uh, the Dig 1.5, I'll have to read into that. I'm very excited about that. Moving on to things that y'all may actually <laughs> oh, care man. about. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. According to uh, Nikkei? Uh, oh, Nikkei. Oh, yeah. Nikkei. That's the Japanese uh, Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Uh, Konami is falling apart, and its aging founder has shut himself off from most everyone within the company and the rest of the industry. Yeah, I read a little bit of that article. That's fucked About up. how everyone is under uh, 24-7 camera surveillance at their desks. No one gets to have a personal email uh, account or mm-hmm. access to the internet. You know, if you want to email someone, you have to have uh, the IT department randomly generate you a uh, new email oh, address crazy. so you can communicate with the outside world. Yeah. And they're having people who work on the games... Uh, like fucking clean bathhouses and pachinko parlors and shit like that. Not just random like Joe Blows, but like people who are in charge of some of these games yeah. are like as fucking like asking as janitors, yeah. yeah, as punishment and stuff like that. It's like Japanese game development is a different beast than Western game development sure. for and good and for ill. It's even even the other people in Japan who heard about this were like, "Holy shit, this is fucked up." I feel like, like for even for Japan, this is draconian and insane. The yeah. the kind of, the culture of Nintendo that has been praised with the passing of Iwata, like this whole idea of you know, it's they understand that this company is made up of the whole, and they try not to fire people whenever they can. It's yeah. like all this sort of that is like the the exact diametric opposite of everything that has come out of Konami. Where exactly. It's like, well, that's the people made that the comparison. And, yeah. Yeah. Where like you're just obligated. To stay there and stay there forever and like like even when they treat you like shit like make you act as a janitor in a fucking bathhouse yeah. you still won't leave because in Japan when you get hired by a company you're pretty much expected to stay there until you die yeah like yeah no that's fucking crazy well especially because I guess yeah the uh, the founder of the company has kind of like withdrawn from the rest of the industry which they said even for Japan that's weird because you know the, like the heads of industry will get together and help each other out from time to time sure. and at least communicate with each other yeah. he's supposedly he's just gone off on a, like like there's no one really in control of the company anymore uh um, uh, all the uh, the funding for all console games right now is being redirected towards mobile. That's why, yeah. like, I, there was a big kerfuffle between Konami and uh, uh, Kojima. Kojima because, like, he well, he's already known to be he spends way too much time and money on his games. Sure. They already go over budget. Now, when you have a Konami that's actively trying to shrink yeah. and essentially redirecting all game development efforts from console stuff to mobile stuff, yeah. and he's spending more money than even normal on his shit. Like, of course, that led that led to the whole thing with him essentially leaving the company. And, yeah. 
Like, it's it sounds like, man, it's kind of a bummer to hear that it sounds like the new Metal Gear game will be the last like yeah. big Konami console game, which yeah. is a big deal because Konami yeah. has been a huge force within the industry. Well, not for the last decade, but they were one of the biggest third-party developers for Nintendo yeah. for the longest time. Yeah. I mean, this is coming to me. The Konami was the first game developer that I was conscious of that game development existed. Yeah, exactly. Like, kind of logo. a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. fucking to think that this, this is this is kind of it. Next month with that game. I almost buy one, want to buy Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah. I have no interest in the game. The this is a farewell. Like, yeah. okay, like, well, and this is, this seems like this will be the last real Metal Gear Solid game, too. Yeah. Well, I'm sure yeah. they'll come out for more on mobile and stuff like that. Yeah. But So uh, there won't be any more self-serious uh, fart jokes and pant-shitting jokes. Yeah. It's so sad. Fucking hey, Beautifully rendered. But I'm curious to see what Kojima has to do when he actually has to, like, make a game that's not Metal Gear yeah. with, like, a tiny fraction of the budget yeah, for someone else. Yeah, he ever gonna make Kojima. a video game again? Yeah. Well, the thing is, Kojima always seemed like he was interested in making something that was not Metal Gear. Yeah. But Konami was never. Interested probably try to go to Hollywood anything. and try to become like a film director. Probably. Or yeah. yeah. Finally, do what he really wants to do. Christ. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Read, look up in this stuff about Konami because it's really interesting. It sounds like it's made up at first, and then you find out yeah. like everyone's corroborating this, and yeah. it's like, no, this, this is, is the way this it is. This is a really um, reputable journal. Konami that's reporting is a slave this. ship. It's weird. It's horrible to think that like this is what just came out. Can you imagine what's going on? Another even smaller. Less, less financially solvent companies, even than even this. Fuck. It's just gaming. Even 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 outside of game development, fuck. Yeah, gaming is in such a weird place right now. I mean, gaming has always been. There has been no status quo, really. It's always a shifting and changing industry. Yeah. But, but yeah, when you have one of the biggest third party developers ever, this is pretty much the. De- this is it. This is pretty yeah. much the final notice that they are as yeah. as in forces they've ever been as we've known them is gone. Yeah. So it's kind of sad. So, you know. Gears of War remake comes with backwards compatible slash digital copies of all the other Gears of War games. So this, Bill notes, is how publishers will leverage Xbox One remasters against 360 backwards compatibility. Yeah, I don't care about Gears of War so much as seeing this is because that's the big thing is they announced backwards compatibility for all uh-huh. 360, well not all, but for a lot of yeah. 360 games. Meanwhile, so many of these companies are repackaging, like they're coming out with a remaster of Gears of War 1 yeah. For the Xbox One this fall, yeah. like where did like how how do those things kind of coexist when yeah. like you can get a free like because the whole backwards compatibility thing is them just the like Microsoft's take is like if you've ever put this disc in your console and it's ever connected to the yeah. Xbox Live, you essentially get that as a free download yeah. whenever that software becomes available uh, on backwards compatibility. But yeah, if 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 if, if the if publishers are trying to resell you those games, yeah. like like there's got to be some kind of conflict here. But yeah. like the idea that you would either buy like re- backwards compatibility games would be could become available to you only if you buy like the latest installment in that franchise sure, yeah. or buy the remaster of one of those games yeah. in that franchise and then you get the rest for free. It's essentially an incentive that that. Oh yeah. yeah, I guarantee fucking to you that we're going to get an Assassin's Creed game that comes with like if you p- spend a little more, exactly. you get all the backwards compatible other games. Or not even that, you won't even get that. You'll get like the Ezio games, the good ones yeah. or something like that. They'll find oh, a way to parse man, it out. I... There's so many of those games. Oh, I didn't talk about this. I beat Unity this week finally. How's that? I cuz I've been so Sorry to go back oh, you to sound so happy. Us, but man, so I, I uh, Unity, I you playing my copy of Unity. Which I need to bring it back to you officially. So that's the one that's set in the French uh, Revolution. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the that's one with all the faces missing from last. <laughs> yeah, call, exactly. Yeah. The story of the game is that, that I'm so mad that Unity is one of the worst. I I would say that it's 
in its own way worse than uh, Assassin's Creed 3. Yeah. Because at least Assassin's Creed 3, it was a big old wet fart of a game, but they were trying a lot of different things. All those different things fell flat, but they were trying things. Mm-hmm. Unity is a lot of ways to return to form. You know, it's like this this city, this teeming city, and you do all these things. And the, uh, but man, the fucking, it's just like not, it just rolls right off you. And then the story is so bad because you're, you play this young assassin and you're, your your mentor who turns out as a Templar was killed and like and you wind up still working with the assassins and you fall in I love forget, with they, the yeah, mentor's daughter. You're actually working with the assassin. Yeah, you're kind of like a traitor to the assassins not, at the beginning. Not yeah, it's kind of bit, couch it at the beginning. It's like oh, isn't this crazy? And then you're still in this relationship with this woman who's one of the Templars, mm. and your goals are aligned in that you both want to avenge that you're the death of during this man. the French Revolution. I can't I can't fucking remember because I don't give a shit. You ever actually go to Notre Dame? That's the only thing I want to care about. I want to see if it looks like Hunchback Notre Dame, the Disney movie. Uh, so I booted this game because I I was like, I want to finish this mission that I'm the on. the biggest thing in Paris. How do you not that? I can't remember. How does half the game not take place in and around Notre sure, Dame? I'm pretty sure I remember climbing up Notre Dame. Okay. I'm 99%. So I want to see if the birds are there. I want to see if the three Bill, I will return it to you when you may play things. it all you want. Ugh. Yeah, to meet the talkie gargoyles. But you're going to buy the new one, aren't you? Of course I am. I suck the teeth of Assassin's Creed. <laughs> but I'm so mad at Assassin's Creed Unity because it. Uh-huh. I, I'm a sucker for love stories. And technically, this has a love story at its heart. And it's just the worst the love story possible. Story? It's just so. You only play one character. You don't give game, a right? shit. Yeah, you only play one I thought maybe. I'm, I keep on expecting for them to, like, your love interest suddenly becomes a, like well, an Assassin's Creed. In the, in the, Syndicate, you get to play as the brother and sister. Yeah, maybe so I'm backwards be, compatibility yeah. thinking this. Like, <laughs> yeah. so fun. the big climactic battle of this game is you and your love, who's a Templar, fight this bad guy. And I'm like, and I'm thinking all the time, I'm like, how interesting would it be that at the end of the game is you have to both make a conscious choice that and walk away from each other and become enemies, knowing that this was the joint cause that you shared, and now you're both on that's opposite there, ends. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're that's no really longer obligated to each other. No. no, she dies. She dies to motivate your action. She dies because she is. It is inconvenient for her to be alive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At the end of the game, and I'm just like, fuck you. Because it's like they can do. That's one of the things with these Assassin Creed protagonists. Fuck they can do whatever they want. Because the next game's gonna have entirely different protagonists. So they could write. It's yeah, not like they have to make her dead because. Shit. Well, what do we do with the next game? Or, you can have them turn into fucking swans at the end <laughs> with guns blazing. And I always forget the Forrest Gumping of of. <laughs> Yeah. of Assassin's Creed because then of course they do a short time jump and then you go and do a thing and you swan in with Napoleon for no reason other than Napoleon is your bro and is yeah, helping you out and it's just yeah. like oh my god does uh, Napoleon have like Ziggy Pig pin <laughs> you've never seen Bill and Ted why am I even nope. making this joke so anyway um, I'm sorry that was my brief di- uh, no I'm glad to see unity I finally beat it you, yeah it took you six months it took me well this last battle just wasn't or this last match I'm actually kind of those games can be lengthy. The last map was long as shit, especially the way I play these games. Because yeah. I really like to sneak my way around and just snipe off all the fuckers and get them to kill each other with berserk darts and shit mm-hmm. and, like, very laboriously, like, pick it through everybody. Did you have much technical issues? Um, I, I can't remember because I don't... I, <laughs> I'm playing this game. I beat this That's... game this week after ha- it being patched all to hell. So. Uh, I want to see what Justin McElroy has to say about the game. <laughs> to still, and just, just to see what, what standing I am in. Yeah. With yep. Justin McElroy after the fucking playing uh, King's Quest. But, anyway, yeah. okay, we're going to actually continue with Geek Week. Oh. Um, rest in peace, Disney historian John Col- Colhane. 
he wrote a bunch of books about Disney animation and was one of the first people to really chronicle who was responsible for what in the golden age of Disney animation. Yeah, uh, so I guess he first met Walt Disney himself when he was like 17 when he like... I think it was shortly after the park opened, mm-hmm. uh, which that makes sense because I think he just died. He was like 81, so this would have been like 50 years ago, and yeah. he was like just like a teenager. I guess that doesn't quite make sense, but whatever. So anyway, he was noted to be one of the first big actual Disney historians, if not the, like the first real one, yeah. where he sat down and went out of his way to talk to all the nine old men, figure out who did what, who animated what, and what things. He wrote a bunch of books about Disney animation and, and the history of the company in general. Yeah. Um, one of my things, uh, I he, he wrote... I think he wrote individual books about the making of Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. Hmm. And I remember having those as a kid, like mm-hmm. back in high school and like like pouring over that stuff. And, like, See, the thing really is well that written. I know I read a shit ton of this. That's what I'm books. saying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, as as an author, that's that, that's what, that, when I recognize that name. I didn't realize he was that much of a Disney historian. I should have known because the books are really well written and he obviously knows mm-hmm. his Disney stuff. He was also like a half Disney employee and like, I guess yeah. he showed up as a character, a caricatured version of himself showed up in a bunch of the Disney movies because he was friendly uh, with the staff and everything yeah. like that. So, I don't, yeah, I don't know if he was ever, like, an official employee, but he was pretty much as 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 a much of a Disney employee as you can be while yeah. being on the periphery of Disney yeah. and kind of cataloging everything that happened to that company. And, yeah, so, yeah, he just, yeah, that's kind of like, a, if you had chosen, if you had gone with your first choice of uh, uh, career path yeah, as being a Disney, Disney archivist, yeah. you would have probably been best best buddies with this motherfucker. He probably would have, he would have probably been t- taught you all the ropes and yep. everything. Yep. So, if only we had a time machine, we could go back. You'd probably be at his funeral this fucking week. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Disney just bought a bunch of land next to Disneyland. Sounds like they may be moving a bunch of office stuff there so they can start building a bunch of Star Wars Marvel stuff where the current offices are, tucked right behind Toontown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is... Everyone's freaking out about this. Because it's the, So, this is with me thinking about making a trip to Disneyland. Yeah. I've been thinking about a lot of Disneyland. I've actually been learning a lot of stuff about Disneyland for the first time. Did you know there's two parks? It's not just Disneyland, but there's Disney California Adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was a whole separate park. Yeah, yeah. I thought Disney. I thought that maybe they built them like new roller coaster or something like that, and like a Cars ride, mm-hmm. and said, "Okay, that's Disney California Adventure." No, it's a, it's a, yeah. as big as Disneyland. What they so when Walt Disney first built Disneyland, uh-huh. he had just enough money to buy a big plot of land uh-huh. and build the park and build a parking lot adjacent to it. Mm-hmm. And so when they wanted to build this new theme park, I guess like a decade ago, which, which became. Uh, uh, California Adventure. They just paved. Oh, they just built it all over the parking lot. Yeah. And I guess me. I don't know where everyone parks now, because <laughs> like they got rid of the parking there. They must. I don't know because also, that's this is the other problem because Disney just had enough money to build to buy the land for the for the Disney Park in the parking lot. He didn't have enough money to buy any of the other land around the where the park would be. Mm-hmm. And so he, by virtue of the fact that he could only buy that land. He didn't even have money. He didn't even have enough money to build his own hotels or anything like mm-hmm. that. So he had to rely on third-party people, essentially building up like all the hotel industry and everything that mm-hmm. that rose up around Disneyland. And so Disneyland's always been kind of boxed in because they can't grow anywhere because it's third-party people, not Disney, mm-hmm. who owns all the land that's around Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's always been a problem for Disneyland growing mm-hmm. is because they have nowhere to grow. Mm-hmm. And so, but I guess now they're finally starting to actually purchase some of the extra land around Disneyland. This hmm. is the first time. Because like, like I said, even the new park was built on Di- Disneyland that was owned. So I don't know if they like built like underground parking structures beneath Disneyland or something like that. Yeah, when I went, it was long enough ago that Disneyland California Adventure did Yeah, exist. when did you go? Uh, long enough ago that it didn't exist. So like I 20 years remember. ago or something like that? I, I think it was like 12. Yeah. What did you like down there? Because I've been researching Until a lot. I was 12. I can't remember. So well, this is the other thing I did this week. So in order to figure out what, what, like, what, what's what at Disneyland, mm. 
you can't find a really good high-res map of Disneyland mm-hmm. anywhere online. So what I did, they do have, like, you can Google map. Mm-hmm. Like, on Google, you can, like, like get, like, high-detailed map of the mm-hmm. thing. I just screenshotted the entire <laughs> map of both uh, Dis- California Adventure and Disneyland Park itself. Uh-huh. And spent two days, like, stitching all this it's together. Junior. So I have this crazy hot, like, four-gig, super yeah. high-resolution map of Disneyland. And, like, I'm putting all the stars where the place where I want to go. Uh-huh. And I don't know, it's great. It's super cute. You should print it on cloth to have your own Disneyland cloth map. I know, exactly, yeah. Uh, Copyright infringement. Good. But, yeah, so I made that map available to other people because I know other people are, like, visiting Disneyland mm-hmm. and stuff, too. So if they want to, like, this is better than any other Disneyland map I've seen online. Just, like, screen caps from Google sure. Map. Well, it's funny, too, because it's not, like, a photographic map. Mm-hmm. Someone at Disney was hired to actually create a drawn map of Disneyland, mm-hmm. which plugs into the Google Maps. So, like, if you go to Google Maps and look up Disneyland, this mm-hmm. is one of the view- viewing options for Disneyland is, like, the drawn vector map. So that's what mm-hmm. I screenshotted. So it's got, like, all the artwork of what everything looks like, and nice. everything's, like, clearly labeled and things yeah. like that. And so, anyway, so this is the thing. Everyone's wondering whether or not... Disney's going to try to build a third park that's mm-hmm. going to be all no- nothing but Marvel mm-hmm. and Star Wars stuff, or um, there's enough space behind Disneyland that is owned by Disney that is now just uh, executive stuff. It's like all the storage stuff and where mm-hmm. all the like offices and things like that. And if they can just clear that out and maybe move the offices to this new land that's adjacent to Disneyland, mm-hmm. then they can take that space that's offices stuff now and build like, oh, well, we got the Millennium Falcon, we've got yeah, this and yeah, that. Yeah. Or that new land they're building, they'll keep the office where they are and they will just start like building yeah. it, like essentially tearing down like third party. Ho- I like third party trading this like a video game, but like third party hotels and mm-hmm. stuff like that around there, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's the thing because I wanted to think about going to Disneyland. I'm like, how many times am I going to go to my Disneyland in my life? Yeah, should I wait like three years and see? if they build like a Star Wars land and wait for that or oh, Bill go for your fucking birthday I know you asshole go for your fucking birthday go for your fucking birthday Disneyland is so cool go I just want to hang out birthday. and people watch don't go for your fucking birthday yeah. exactly then you don't have the pressure of I gotta make sure I see all the Star Wars I know no, I you're know, gonna go and just know. enjoy Disney for what it is what I'm really curious to see how Jimmy and Conley's experience they, yeah. they must have gotten out there before but like yeah I don't yeah. know in other news, Bill Notes Community is officially toast. Uh, yeah, Joel McHale, the guy who plays the main character on Community, he came out and said that they've all been released from the contracts, and it sounds like it's 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 Community is done. And even I think Dan Harmon came out and said, yeah, we're yeah we're not working on any new Community right How now. How was the Yahoo season? I don't know anyone who watched it. I didn't see it. Yeah. And as far as ratings, that's how little I know about it. Yeah. All I know is that they had a season on Yahoo that no one watched. Yeah. Now they're saying it's over, so I guess maybe it didn't do that well. Yeah. Especially if Yahoo's not... If Yahoo wasn't, like, didn't find... Didn't feel like it was worth it keeping them on contract just yeah. in case this, in case they wanted to bring them back. Yeah. So I'm assuming it couldn't have done that well. <laughs> um, speaking of community, Bill Murray finished a cameo for the new Ghostbusters last night. Because uh, he was supposed to play Joe McHale's dad on Ghostbusters, but then Dan Howard got kicked off. And so they brought. I can't remember who actually did play Joe McHale's dad on, on, on not Ghostbusters, on but it's supposed to be Bill Mayer, uh, Bill Murray's supposed to play Joe yeah. McHale's dad on Community, but they got someone. Is else. this the female Ghostbusters? The female, the female Ghostbusters. Which is kind of bumming me out because I love Bill Murray and I love Ghostbusters, but like bringing back cameos from the old Ghostbusters yeah. is not the way to like. No. You want this movie to stand on its own yeah, two it'd feet. Be its own thing. And maybe if it's good enough, maybe the sequel you start having cameos from the old yeah. Ghostbusters when like you could say, oh yeah, this is at least as good as the old Ghostbusters. It would be funny if they kind of just show up and said, hey guys, good for, on you for making a movie. Especially like Dan Aykroyd, I can kind of like whatever, but like Bill Murray, man, like. All it's going to make you do is go, oh, man, why not watching that good Ghostbuster? No matter how good this movie yeah. is, the new one is, it can't help but just knock you out of the movie. Even if it's, like, it's, oh, no. 
Unless mm-hmm. people point out maybe maybe he's just playing Gozer the Gozerian. Maybe he's like the villain. The, the yeah. like, he's like the human uh, personification of whatever the like the bad guy is sure. supposed to be in this thing. Maybe that'd be kind of cute. But it sounds like he only was like on set. He's so a like, cameo. He said like a line. He's like, hey, I'm a... He's the Stan Lee cameo. Did you yeah. bust any ghost? Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, yeah. So he's not. I was like, yeah, going to yeah. be filming for that long, but... Another uh, movie news: Prometheus Two will start filming in January. Yeah, we got, Bill is deeply invested. This is invested. most of the go- next geeky. Uh, this is the most of the geek we can review because it's all it, a shitload of movies that got announced, like yeah. release dates and stuff like that. So who who's involved in Ghostbusters or Prometheus Two? Uh, it's Ridley Scott again. Uh-huh. Uh I don't think they've announced any writers or anything like that. That's always a good sign. I know exactly. <laughs> and but it's supposed to be starring uh, the same two people. The same two people oh, left. Oh over. yeah, it's yeah, gonna be uh, what's his face? But, Head in a bag. Yeah, and lady. yeah. that lady. <laughs> so I want to do Prometheus too. You do whatever the fuck. says Doctor Seuss. You do whatever the fuck. Because she's kind of great. What? So she's got the dude's head in a bag, and she's mm-hmm. gonna go find. The engineer's homeworld? Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. It's kind of. I mean, it's kind of in a cool place Charlie where you Stone do whatever the fuck. Yeah. She got squished. Remember, that was one of your least favorite parts. Why didn't she go right? When oh, she yeah, could, yeah. Instead of going straight. Um, see, the, what kind of excites... I mean, Prometheus 2 is inevitably probably not going to be very good, but it's kind of exciting to have a movie where they can do anything. They can go anywhere. Because it does end with the characters going off into space. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of cool. So we'll see. We'll that's see how it Like, even a bigger budget thing, because if they're going to go to, like, the, like the, the engineer's home world, like, how do you do that in, like... like yeah, I, don't I, don't know. Know. I I I mean Prometheus was, had its problems, but I had a good time with it. I'm, I'm curious to see what this looks like. I'm, I'm, I am too. honestly surprised that the that Fox gave him the money to make a sequel to that. In other sequely news, Blade Runner two to start filming next summer with Roger Deakins as the DP. I love like even on all the articles about Roger Deakins being a part of this movie, no one mentioned who's directing it. <laughs> Which this is kind of like I like this is the biggest bit of credibility this movie has. Like Roger yeah. Deakins, Roger Deakins is going to be the director of photography. We don't know. Who. Like they is announced it, a director, but it, it's not anyone anyone cares about. Did did Ryan Gosling wind up get attached? to I think this? so. It's, it's supposed to be Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford. Huh. And it's supposed to take place decades after the original Blade Runner. Interesting. So. Man. Do you still have, like, Harrison Ford in the big coat and everything like that? What do you doing? Man, all I think like, is, like, the world, the Earth is so fucked up with that movie. It's like, what is it, yeah, like, decades later? Like, that just makes me feel gross, because it just makes me feel like. Yeah, it's like post-apocalyptic. Well, and, like, no, they go just, back a lot? Like, like, I've been thinking a lot. Like, I can't think too much about climate change and everything, because it freaks me out, because I have no control over it. You'll and be dead like, before it really starts killing us. <laughs> See, I can't can't talk about this. And I, I think hey, I did you hear about the earthquake? Fuck you. I'm not I'm not kidding. I don't want to talk I about know, it. It I actually know, really upsets know, me. I but it's I think I don't know if I could see Blade Runner 2 for that reason. <laughs> Dear Lord. Oh man. Uh there's gonna be another Dungeons and Dragons movie. I was going to write that there is going to be a Dungeons and Dragons movie, yeah, forgetting there that there recently. was a yeah. Dungeons and Dragons not movie. Not in the two distant past in the two thousands. Yeah! I totally forgot. I didn't see this Did years, it have but I saw it on video. Or am I confusing it with No, it those. had like one of the Wayans brothers. And he was all kind of like a weird kind of menstrual, like Black Panic kind of character. Yeah. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons as a movie concept isn't necessarily I a bad idea. Had, like Thor Birch. She was like, well, she was one of the ladies from like Ghost World. Uh-huh. She was supposed to be the big star that came out of Ghost World, not Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. But I think she was like a queen in that. No one remembers anything <laughs> about that. All I remember they had like I a mean, beholder guy, like the like floating things with the giant yeah. eyeballs. 
Like, I guess that's the only monster in the movie that came from the original books. At the end of the day, just, I, I, I'm all, I'm in favor of big, dumb fantasy D&D adventures, because there's something fun about, here are these crazy characters, yeah. what are they gonna, how are they going to get out of this escape? I'm, I'm totally, fu- I'm fond of that movie. I enjoyed Hercules. The second Conan the Barbarian movie is my favorite, because that's kind of what that is. That's why I like Hansel and Gretel Witch It's worth it just for, just, wait, you know, which Conan? We're talking about the old one with Grace Jones? Conan the Destroyer. Yeah, with Grace Jones. Yeah, that's the best one, because it's just a D&D I, when I was a kid, I had a total boner for the pr- blonde princess lady from that movie, too, and Grace Jones kind of mystified me as a kid, where I was like, what's my penis doing? I have no idea, because I was like 11, I'm like, this is stirring something weird in my bowels, what's going on? Grace Jones, her thighs are just, uh, wow. It, I'm sad oh, that the Dragons movie will inevitably just be a big piece of shit. Man, how does Grace Jones not play Garnet? something not even like an official steven universe thing but even if it's just like a funnier die live action video or something um new line is gonna try and reboot nightmare on elm street again yeah i forgot this guy rebooted just a couple of years ago too this is the week where everyone just announced more movie shit yeah. so yeah i oh, guess that is, so what's your opinion on friday the 13th of a second reboot in I have five years a real strong feeling on horror uh franchise from the 80s um i've not seen <laughs> one of them exactly, and yeah. i don't Here's my opinion. Give me your hot take. As I never saw the last reboot, and it's been 20 years since I was seen it. But it's just funny that, like, like, like yeah, they're just trying to regurgitate it's this just, stuff. It's just, you know, horror movies, people, the fact that is that it's a horror movie, if you release it at the right time, people go see it anyway, and if it's something that, oh, I know that, then they're even more likely yeah, to I don't know, because anyway. I mean, they, uh, not only did they do a reboot just five years ago, but they did, tried to do a grittier, darker version of Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street, where, like, like, they had, like, CGI parts of his face missing, and, yeah. like, he, like, uh, the one big change they made to this was, in the original Nightmare on Elm Street movie, he was a child murderer Frederick Krueger was mm-hmm. um, in the original script he was supposed to be a child molester who mm. killed kids so that no one would the kids wouldn't tell on him And but they changed that for the remake that's how they made it dark and grittier is that he actually is a child molester now who also does kill kids on top of everything else and like once you've already done that like what does he also like does he like use their wears their faces as masks? Like, yeah, like what? Yeah. Like how do you even make him more fucked up than that? Like is he already a kid killer and he's already coming back? It's from gotta the... be weird to be like, given a horror movie to remake. Yeah, especially if there's already like, been a remake. The whole point remake. of horror movies are like to scare people. Yeah. And, and how if can they you already scare know what people it is. something that's familiar? Well, that's the funny thing is because Freddy, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street only became super popular once Freddy Krueger kind of turned into yeah. like a wisecracking. Like, essentially, I was like game show host. Yeah, like the Bugs Bunny. Yeah, it really was Bugs like a horror Bugs Bunny. So yeah. do you just, like, instead of going grittier and goofier, do you, like... Uh, do, it's just grittier, dark, a direct goofier. sequel to the Deadpool movie. <laughs> That's well, what at it this is. Point. Um, Matt, do you have any opinions on the Fantastic Four? Man, here's my opinion on the Fantastic <laughs> I had to think Four. For a second, mm. uh, Clammy John Morris is one of my favorite cartoonists on the internet, and he was one of my favorite writers on the internet. John has really strong feelings about um, superheroes. He loves Superman, and he runs a great website called The Chronological Superman, where he's looking at every single piece of Superman media, mm-hmm. be it a comic book, is he a comic, comic strip, by, is he going comic radio. By comic? He's doing them in the order in which they were released. Yeah. Everything from the start. So, I mean, dude is the real deal. He did a great book called The League of a regrettable superheroes. But, yeah, we talked about not too long ago. The thing, no. the thing about John is that he comes from a place, uh, it's really easy to make fun of stuff, waka waka, and he comes from a place of love and affection. Yeah. And he'll make fun of it, but it's He's like, good at making fun of things, but that's yeah. not his old... Th- yeah, just... Calamity John wrote an essay on um, how to make a good Fantastic Four movie, and reading his essay made me start crying, because yeah. it was so... Like, what he was pitching was so 
like appealing. But he's just talking about the Fantastic Four just being a goofy family. Yeah, it's just a yeah. big family. Yeah. And I do like one of his notes is that anybody who just goes, uh, the best Fantastic Four movie is Incredibles and drops the mic should be shot to the sun. Because <laughs> that's the least interesting thing you can possibly well, say. Well, it doesn't help contribute to what you're talking about. Like, Well, and also, I like that he made a good point of saying that um, Fantastic or the Incredibles is a lot of ways the unfantastic four because the Incredibles is all about exclusion. And like, it's the family as a unit excluding all of others. And that's the whole that is true. In the, the movie that, in Incredibles, they're trying to be accepted by society. Yeah, yeah. and and he's like in the Fantastic Four, it's everyone is a part of the family, even their villains. Like it, like Doctor, it's yeah. important that Doctor Doom was a peer and friend. Like and that he, it's all very complicated, and everyone is connected. And the Fantastic Four is always it's especially their e- evil uncle. Yeah, I mean it's like it's all it's all more about community and friendship and family and everything. And, yeah, and one of the big things he notes is like it's really important when you have a unit like the Fantastic Four that everyone has unique relationship that like you know that like johnny storm his relationship with the thing is very different from his relationship with sue is very different from his relationship with reed and like everybody has their own unique and interesting relationships beyond just the relationship with the whole mm-hmm. and anyway in summation uh i just want to read john's essay again and cry and the only opinion i have about the new fantastic four movies i have a big crush on what is the name andrew bell who was um uh Billy, oh he plays Billy, the thing Billy yeah. Elliot back in the day yeah I really like him and he's a really good brute I have no though... idea what he looks like because he barely showed because he he's, he's in the movie mostly computer generated exactly. so like they barely show my human. heart because I like him as a thug there's a movie called yeah. The Eagle with Channing Tatum which is not a very good movie but he's really good in it and the friendship between him and Channing Tatum is really kind of great and he's such I, I always think of him as Billy Elliot in my mind like he's kind of a slender dude. Dude. But he is kind, and he's still not a thick guy. But he is just this brute. He yeah, because I was kind of surprised to see the live action version of the thing in the movie. It does not look like a big bruiser. He radiates this kind of like it's a like thug Aww. within, and I'm like, he'd be a really yeah. good thing, except that apparently this movie's garbage. Yeah, and like all of the stuff with the director saying, I was like, ah, I wish I could show you the movie. That the I wanted got to kicked make. off halfway through the production for yeah. being a cracked out crazy motherfucker. Yeah, it's... Um, man, but how great would it be? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Fox must be really kicking itself, especially after the success of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, how they showed, like, going cosmic and kind of silly with stuff. I mean, that's totally the track you want to take with the Fantastic Four. Man, ideally... What well, if... that was another one of John's points. I'm just going to quote all of John's essay. Oh, it's almost like a sm- John's a smart guy. Smart, yeah. John's a smart guy. One of the things he knows about Doctor Doom is that, like, no one really knows how to handle Doctor Doom, because Doctor Doom is a big, like, it's a big cartoon character. He's a dictator mask with a And he said there's, like, He's like Doom is an extreme character. Just own the fact that he's an extreme weird character, yeah. and you kind of the, the problem with like a lot of the Fantastic Four movies is that they've tried not to be the Fantastic Four. Yeah. You know, it's like they try to rein it in and pull it back, and I'm like, yeah, you, you can know, you can like, almost see how they almost like you probably had to push the executives just to even make the character still a family at a certain point. Yeah. I'm sure like even the executives probably that's a little too corny, coincidental. And the thing is, like the like, Fantastic Four kind of has to be like the ungritty thing. Yeah. You know, it's like if you imagine it, if they went back and like made it like if they want full venture brothers with it went back like bright <laughs> I, fancy 60s yeah. mid-century it could be a fucking great period piece yeah. and you have all the it's all it's really just live action jack kirby designs the thing's got that weird little brow with the tiny little <laughs> eyeballs hell his character isn't even called the thing he's the ting yeah like so super bronx motherfucker uh fucking yeah everyone like the, the little blue and white super suits like mm-hmm. fighting and the, they're fighting with each other as much as they're fighting the villains and dr doom's like a dude in a fucking metal suit 
and when he speaks, it reverberates it. like he's talking in a tin can, but he's still like, I hate you. That'd be fun. If you could get the right team on it, that'd be fucking fantastic. Yeah. And hell, if you, if you had to make the characters come forward in the future and mix it up with like other Marvel characters, you have like a trilogy that takes place in the 60s that ends with them getting knocked into a time warp into the mm-hmm. future, which is actually, that'd be kind of funny because of like, once you've run out of the uh, possibility to tell stories in the 60s, now you'd shoot them in the future and how does the 60s family cope now with being a family unit stuck in a strangers in a strange land thing having to mix it up with other people yeah. like superheroes especially if they're supposed to be the progenitors of all this Marvel shit like I know that can't happen especially because like I guess Fantastic Four is still owned by Fox and not Marvel yeah man it's I would imagine if Marvel got their hands on the Fantastic Four they would probably do something kind of like what like what I just suggested and what you're talking about with the Calamity John would be kind of like more of a goofy, fun, lighthearted. Well, John wasn't thing, necessarily but... recommending goofy. It's like you just no, can't but have just it embrace what it is, people. though. Don't try to run like, away from it. Like, yeah, well, that's the most yeah. important thing. But, but imagine a Fantastic Four movie where it's actually the Fantastic Four logo with like kind of those retro '60s, like you know, like <laughs> kind of like font and everything like that, with a big brassy music and like have fun with it. Yeah, because yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't. I just don't. I, I think I finally reached the point where I just don't give a shit about superhero movies anymore. Which is why I was surprised that John. John's article made me cry. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Made me feel so emotional because, like, you can't, you cannot make me care about a superhero movie. I've never read much in the Fantastic Four, but I always made me sad to see Reed Richards because, like, he's supposed to be like this aging old scientist guy who's now has a stuck. He's stuck with the fact that his arms are rubber. It seems kind of depressing if you're like an older guy, maybe thinking about retirement. And now he's stuck with arms with rubber. And now he's got to fight crime, but he's still trying to keep his family together. And he's kind of like an older, more conservative guy. Just like he should be at home, just like drinking coffee or something like that. And now he's like. Get, like his arms stretched and like yeah, this idea that like they keep on hiring teenagers to play yeah. fucking Mr. Fantastic and oh man this is the other thing watching Titanic fucking Young Griffith he's in yeah. that movie yeah. he's the one guy who comes back with a boat and saves everyone at yep. the end it's just great to see Young Griffith because he played Mr. Fantastic yeah he plays Mr. Fantastic with that unfortunately what is it I didn't Jessica realize. Alba yeah did you know there's storm? a da- he, Mr. Fantastic gets entered into a dance contest and he has to dance with all his rubber was arms was that in that movie or in this movie no in the previous movie because yeah. like he's playing Mr. Fantastic and so it's like early aughts era CGI <laughs> Young Griffith dancing oh, with like CGI boy. rubber limbs and it just looks fucking oh, rough boy. Um, oh movies yeah. uh, let's see and a bunch of other movies got release dates The Dark Tower Ready Player One two Spider-Man movies a Jumanji remake etc they're making a Jumanji remake why is How Jumanji you I said, to be fair I said Jumanji Jumanji why do you remake Jumanji Jumanji was kind of a solid I've movie I've never even seen that as it is why do everyone's so super upset because Robin Williams but well I, I even about that I I remember it being kind of like a solid oh, movie. Oh, God. Has it been a year since Robin Williams happened? I'm not sure. Oh, man. The internet's going to be insufferable that day because everyone's going to like, what Robin Williams movie are you watching? But yeah, I don't But I don't know. So yeah, I forgot that like Phil Lord and Chris Miller are still responsible for a yeah. cartoon Animated, Spider-Man. Yeah, a cartoon so they Spider-Man. dated that. Uh, yeah, there's the live action Spider-Man. I think all these movies are coming out in like the next two years, two or three years. So it's crazy like... Yeah, uh, animated uh, Spider-Man comes out on July twentieth, twenty, uh, July twentieth, uh, twenty eighteen. The Marvel Spider-Man comes out on almost the exact same date and in a year earlier in twenty seventeen. Ghostbusters comes out next year on July fifteenth. Yeah, there's a Dark Tower movie that's supposed to come out. Oh, man, that's January. How are they making that Dark Tower movie? I thought it was dead. I know. It's never coming out. It's <laughs> I don't want 
they pretend I, there must be a rights thing where they have to come in order to keep the rights every six months they have to announce like no we're gonna do another version again yeah. like they're gonna make two more bad boys movies uncharted got dated for june 30th 2017 wait uncharted 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 like that's two Nate weeks Drake? after the barbie movie comes out wait are you kidding the uncharted movie is actually happening that's still out there with an asterisk? Uh, oh, previously slated film with new dates. I forgot that that was dead. I thought it was dead, too. So who's making it? Who's dying? say it's not What's His Butt. It's not Silver Linings Playbook anymore, This could be you and Richard Armitage. <laughs> As Richard Jake Armitage. and Sully. <laughs> no, Richard Armitage plays Elena. <laughs> Foley is Sully. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's mostly us getting winded after, like, walking up a flight of stairs. <laughs> oh, it's about Donut Drake. Uh, they also announced a Pez Dispensers movie. Which I didn't even see. This is the curse of the Lego movie. They're really, that's, you know, that kind of blows me out because, like, they're making that Dungeons and Dragons movie. You know, it's going to be some kind of meta thing where people are playing Dungeons and Dragons. But what if they get caught up in the world of Dungeons and Dragons? Or what if Dungeons and Dragons characters are real? What like, if Ryan it becomes Gar- real? That's it's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Pez Dispensers, like. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have them talk? Their necks just flop. Well, it's also over. interesting to do a Pez Dispensers movie because the Pez Dispensers are all about licensed characters. Can you tell us about Goobas and Gibos? What's that fucking YouTube video you found? Like werewolves versus oh, chickens? I can't even remember what it is. <laughs> Leprechauns and Dwagon? Dwagons? That's what it was. Dwagons. I was at 7 Eleven the other day and I glanced at their DVD selection and the first movie they had up there was. Dwagons and leprechauns, or leprechauns oh and dwagons. I can't remember which one. And it is kind of impressively the worst looking movie I've ever seen. It's a CGI children's movie, and the trailer is three minutes long, and it has to be watched in entirety. It is fucking terrible. I, you know, I think I quit out halfway no, through. No, you have to watch it all of the entirety of it. I'm not kidding. Because so, there's so many different terrible movies at that time. It's like there's like fanciful rainbow shit, and like so dwagons are people that are kind of like part dragons but their bodies are just mostly just their faces and they have limbs attached and it totally is someone's aunt or uncle came up with this idea and it's just you wonder it's who makes Christian this shit <laughs> is it is it christian specifically i know i don't know but there's I a certain surprised. genre of- have you ever seen like food fight or uh freaky flickers there's this whole genre of of badly made super budget CGI movies that people have tried to force yeah. into production. Yeah. Dwagons versus whatever is yeah. totally like of that tier oh, yeah. of like yeah, bad off the self CGI. Someone who has never given a second thought to story or character design or anything like that trying to come up with this whole world that's going to be the next like I'm trying to remember the name of the studio that made it because their name is even bad. That's what I'm saying. That kind of thing, yeah. It was My studio, like, yeah. it's someone who browbeat their like nephew into making it. And the whole website is trying to be like across across media empire. It's like, That's what I'm saying. Games. Yeah. We make TV and they're like movies. based out like Wabash, Wisconsin, or something like that. Ugh, yeah. Woof, Which, woof, woof. hey, I'm all for up and coming enterprising people yeah. who aren't tied into the studio system making sure. stuff. But man, at least read a fucking book about like yeah. how shit is made yeah. before you suddenly decide this shit's gonna be the next Smurfs. Cool. And if you're old enough to think that next there needs to be a new Smurfs, <laughs> and like you're not thinking this needs to be the new Minions, you already lost the fucking game. <laughs> Holy shit! Did you see the giant Smurfs Minion balloon blowing down the street? I did. I did. And right. we talk about everything we saw on the internet. This week. <laughs> uh, Jerry Lewis donated a print of the day the clown cried to the Library of Congress with a caveat that no one gets to watch it for ten years, which hopefully the subtext of which is when I'm dead. <laughs> So have you heard much about this movie? I had never. I think I'd vaguely heard of it until this week. It and I like read a this riff. I read the synopsis, and I was just. It's a good idea for a movie. Uh, I was just. 
shocked. So this is maudlin mid-60s Jerry Lewis deciding that he's going to make a movie about... Well, no, did you read the story behind it? Cause, like, I don't know the story about it. I know what the story of the movie is so, supposed to be. Apparently, the script has been floating around a while, which is about a clown who is sent to prison in, in World War II Germany for making fun of Hitler. Yeah. And is, a, is, is past, well past his prime, likes making children laugh, winds up being a clown for Jewish children, and the climax of the movie is he's literally Pied Pipering them into the gas chambers. That is how this movie ends. And so this, I was reading about the development of this movie because I'm like, are you kidding me? Apparently they've tried to remake it a ton of times. Who's trying to with remake like it? With Robin Williams and Liam Neeson. Like, it's seriously. It's notoriously bad that it like fucking wh- the guy yeah. who made it, Jerry Lewis, has tried to bury this his so whole life. Apparently the the thing what that happened behind it was that these this producer came to Jerry Lewis and said, I'm going give you the money to direct your own movie and it's but it has to be the day of the crown club oh crown i thought Pride. it was all jerry lewis's idea and jerry lewis read the script and he was like i am not a dramatic actor you get like like sir Lawrence olivier to do this this is not a role for me yeah you don't get the guy who's all spoiling so finally yeah. the original script is all, this character is a pathetic sad character like he is well past his prime like that's the whole point well, that's kind of jerry so, lewis when they made this uh, yeah so he but he they're like yeah you can direct it and you can have your all your own creative vision and everything okay so yeah like i said i thought jerry lewis like and we'll give you the, the money idea. yeah and so he's like okay i'll do it and star in it and but then all the money like the producers literally never showed up and they never had any money so they were trying to get money to make it all along and it was like and it got tied up in rights afterwards because after it was done the producers were still claiming ownership of it even though they didn't actually contribute to I the picture production. him just having enough money to film the scene where he has to shovel the kids into the into the oh oven God. while dressed like a clown and that's all the footage he has and he's like what it, like I can't listen this can't be a short film well, so it's been need like, some context of this but it was really interesting because this article I was reading apparently Harry Shearer um, the comedian who's on The Simpsons and whatnot of of um, uh, Spinal Tap oh, yeah. yeah, saw it at some point and his quotes on it were like there are some movies that just transcend like it's not it's transcends it's so bad it transcends badness and it's just like this movie is that's what like, cause a couple people have seen else. this have been like this is like yeah because the whole time you're just watching this movie in shock and uh, yeah, he essentially like Jerry it. Lewis made the first YouTube video <laughs> it's just Oh man! Uh, Annie, would this be any better if you made it with off-the-shelf CGI and called it when the day the clown cried? <laughs> Dear Christ! But yeah, the couple photos I've seen of Jerry Lewis on the set, like looking through the camera lens, he's, he's like in full class, like fucking red button clown makeup yeah, and it just well, looks bad apparently there was some german tv show that shot some behind, behind the scenes footage so there are there is some footage sort of from the film that exists but i, I looked this up on youtube because i was i was going down the youtube the wikipedia rabbit hole of this and like it opens with this this you would no idea what the movie's about it's just this riff that's this footage of jerry lewis doing a clown routine for like four minutes and it's just like damn i Which, can't i gotta give jerry lewis credit for actually handing yeah. this over to the library of congress he must not be doing well because i guess he's not going to be part of because he's always done that telethon every year yeah, yeah. i think was it last year or this year yeah. it's gonna be the first time he's not been part of that yeah the jerry lewis telethon on memorial yeah. day and yeah if he's putting his all of his like affairs in a row where he's like okay, yeah I'm the thing donate is that it's not like, like it wasn't just this film he donated yeah, all of he cleaned his, out his, his closet collection. essentially yeah exactly yeah. so flubber dude is just poor guy anyway yeah but you got you know there's something to be said for like when you make crap and you afterwards you're like this you is know. crap and you've been and hiding you it, for it. Like, yeah like it's yeah, just... he's essentially handing his browser history over 
<laughs> well, I remember Congress saying, you know what, when I'm dead, I guess this should be documented because it's the thing that everyone knows about, but yeah. Anyway, uh, so we're going to move on uh, to Gamescom news here, shit we actually have care about. Um, <laughs> you need to explain to me this, Bill. Destiny's Dinklebot is no more. Also, Bill notes, with a lot of detail, a general rejiggering <laughs> slash relaunch of Destiny with the Taken King. Uh, so did they remove uh, Peter Dinklage's stuff from T- Destiny? The weird thing is they actually paid Peter Dinklage to come back and like take out the code of his own <laughs> voice in the game. They actually said no, we can't. Like this is yeah. we're so embarrassed by this. Like Dinklage, we need you to like hit the red button. That's gonna delete mm-hmm. you. From- no, no, no. So they came out and said, so okay. One of the first big crit- criticisms ever of Destiny yeah. is when they had the beta last yeah. year. The how bad? Came from the yeah, exactly. Well, that Lionel. Well, yeah. the funny thing is. It's, we're going back to the Star Wars thing of like yeah. even the best actors in the world yeah. can't do much if what they're given is garbage. Yeah. The script of Gu- Destiny is garbage. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. Well, that's why I love Justin McElroy did a, a, a riff on, you can find it on YouTube where he's pretending to be Peter Dinklage delivering that oh, line. Oh, I didn't see that, yeah. And the whole point is like you can't deliver that line. Yeah, there's no you way. fucking Jerry Lewis. <laughs> get fucking hanging out. This is the day the clown cried for, for, for fucking Peter Dinklage. He can't fix this. Yeah, of course, boy. he sounds bored when he comes. Like he's like, he's like, okay, you're, Bungie, you're paying me a million dollars to be in your game. I guess I'll read it. Like, oh my god, this is like one of my first lines. I'm like, oh Jesus. <laughs> Sounds like he's literally checking his watch while reading the dialogue. So anyway, yeah. So they announced uh, Destiny came out and said, yeah, they're taking Peter Dinklage's voice out of the game. Mm -hmm. As if replacing it with someone else is going to make it better. We'll Well, see. The the implication I got is that presumably this character continues. Yeah, so that's that's the weird thing is because ever since the main game came out, granted, there's not much story in the game, but the only speaking... Well, there's a couple... Yeah, because they're, yeah. But the only one who really has any real fucking speaking time, really, is Peter Dinklage's, like, little robot that comes around and Mm -hmm. essentially tells you what to do for the whole game, Mm -hmm. all three hours of it. And uh, so, yeah, he's kind of like the core of the game. Mm -hmm. And so to rip him out uh, is kind of a big deal. And, uh, well, well, the weird thing, because the original release, he was the core main part of the game. The two expansions that came out with both, uh, both had big story content. That character, that robot, never shows up at all. Yeah. Which is kind of weird because he's the big guiding force. It's, it's essentially if you, it's like if you had a, a Halo game mm-hmm. and you have Cortana talking to you throughout the whole game. If they came out with two expansions to Halo and it's like Cortana's not there talking to you inside your own head, you're like, what happened to Cortana? And it's never explained. And so everyone assumed they must have had a hard time getting Peter Dinklage back. True. Yeah. Because he's a big fucking movie star. Yeah, he's an actual star. Yeah, and also, he's got pixels to be in. Also, it's got to be something or it's like. Yeah. What? He's got to be something where it's like, uh, presumably because he's a big screen actor, a known actor, he probably, it's not cheap to hire him. If it's the most well, criti- you... criticized part of your game, do you double down? Yeah, what do you do then? Especially if you're spending a monstrous amount on this thing that no one will even liked anyway. Yeah. I, I, I could see at a certain point they said, okay, let's actually get a voice actor. Well, see, that's the thing. In a perfect world, fuck, end stunt casting. Yeah. Shoot it in the head. And that's what it, half of Destiny is because all the rest of the cast is all like people from Firefly and well, shit. The requirements of a voiceover actor versus what a traditional actor does are two fucking different things. Get a voice acting professional. That's you what can they do. actually try to take this fucking shit you've yeah. given them and try to spin it into a little bit of a gold. Yeah. Maybe not a ton of gold, but better than like... It's a different craft yeah. altogether. And just a stunt cast. I fucking through, love Peter Dinklage. Not even yeah. Game of Thrones. I was a Peter Dinklage fan even before Game he's of Thrones. He's Station Asia and all that shit. He's great. He's in this really terrible um, Michael Showalter movie, The Baxter. The Baxter, yeah. And his he's role in The Baxter is the yeah. greatest. He plays oh, a wedding planner. His thing in most movies, even before Game of Thrones, his shit was like being kind of the bored, aggravated, angry guy. Yeah. And having being the charmful, like, hi, I'm a robot. I'm here to tell you what's going yeah, on in this yeah. game. That's that's also just bad casting, regardless yeah. of how good Peter Dinklage exactly. is. Exactly. Even if you're yeah. going to stunt cast, that's bad stunt casting. Yeah. Yeah. Get fucking. Uh, 
calendar on us. In conclusion, I really hope Dishonored 2 doesn't suncast the whole game again. I know they will because that's Actually, what... I kind of like the cast in that I game, I think though. they did fine, but don't spend your money I on Hollywood If it's going to take away from, like, actual, like, the game quality It's of the game. just, at the end of the day, it's like, what's his butt Fuck. From... What's his butt? Who was the essentially your store in Dishonored? Didn't have to be what's his butt from Deadwood Wormtongue. Wasn't? Didn't have to be that guy. Oh, I forgot about Brian, that. Whatever. His name Ed, is. one of the guys that, that, that fucking uh, that, uh, uh, head Sterling from Mad Men in it, which I kind of yeah. like. Well, I the like only sun casting in it that was good was was it Sigourney Weaver as the witch lady? She was really. Wasn't Clara Mertz? What's her face? Wasn't she the princess who's also the main character in the sequel one? Emily. She was fine. Emily. Emily. I'm in your uh, we're gonna continue on to the shit also, so we can well, actually big, end our day. Well, the big, big other thing is so. so we didn't even talk about like so. Yeah. Peter Dinklage being replaced with Nolan North. Yeah. Because why oh, hire anyone it's Nolan else? Nolan North. Okay, that's kind of. Which that's kind of. At least he's a competent voice well, actor. He voiced all the balls in Portal Two. <laughs> and that was actually surprising because no one guessed. You yeah. had a second gun in my head. Never thought like yeah. all those things were voiced because he did the yeah. cowboy one and the yeah. goofy one. In the sight in the space, space, space. He's a voice actor. Huh? But he is good. I know the North. Is, I mean, this from the same guy who was sucking his dick about how great his villain from Far Cry Four was. But it's still a little bit like you could find one out there. Like you uh, mean Troy Baker? No, was that Troy Baker? Troy Baker was Far Cry Four. Oh, okay. Was or is it Troy Baker? Because Nolan North was Portal Oh, 2. that's right. That's why it was extra surprising to find out was Troy Baker in Fallout, uh, in, in, in Far Cry 4, because it's such a weird character. It's really Troy good. Troy Baker has this kind of like thing going on. Not it's that really he's, good. Yeah, yeah. But that was kind of like a chameleon kind of thing yeah. that was going on. There. Especially because it was um, body acting, too. And you, yeah. there sometimes when it, like getting to the point now where you can, like, I can, for the most part, I'm like, okay, that's Nolan North. And with the body that's acting. That's a nice thing, like, too, because, like, if Nolan North is get sick, they could just replace Troy, <laughs> Troy Baker. Like, in a real bit. Like, you just do a couple. You just do two sentences. Anyway, I'm glad they got Nolan North because Nolan North is a dude who can say that wizard came from the moon. What else is he like? Well, and the other thing you said, he came out, he refused, which. I don't know if he plays video games where he never got around to playing <laughs> Destiny, but he's like, I've never heard the voice uh, voice acting from the original Destiny game, so it's going to be my complete take. No. So he's not going to be impersonating. No voice Nathan. actors actually play video games, Bill. I did I want him was like, what is it? Part two. No, that it broke my I heart. I think I played the trailer when Mass you, Effect Three. When or you see Jennifer Hill on Twitter going, my character's name in in Mass Effect is Commander Sheepard. Sheepard. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, it's a little bit of heartbreak, just a little well, bit. It's like, because like, they're they're professionals, voice actors. They're essentially like this is a total. They are artists, but they're like fucking cleaning and people. Like getting <laughs> upset at the people who cater yeah. the video games. It's like you can't believe that the electrician of a building yeah, isn't was involved in yeah, like exactly, it doesn't give yeah. a shit about it. It's like I did the wiring. Not so I did because my you part. live with those people in your mind oh, so sure. much for like literally they're, hundreds they're of hours part sometimes. Of it for you. Yeah, you're like, yeah. oh man, like this is a one way relationship with this it's person. Like, no, these are people who stood in a closet. It for 12 hours, five days in a row, and, one and last walked away. Oh, God. Yeah, one last thing with Destiny is that they're changing the leveling up system, which was okay. this. That's specifically what drove me away. I'm actually gonna probably gonna buy this because even mm-hmm. though I was one of the first people to shit talk, the fact they're still charging a crazy amount of money for like expansions on this game, which there yeah. was not much in the original game. So, originally in Destiny was so it levels up like a normal role playing game, at least for the first like 20 levels. I think there's a 30 level cap on, mm-hmm. on the original version of the game, mm-hmm. and getting up to level 20, everything you do. From like shooting guys to get doing this or that, you always get experience points. So no matter no matter how you play the game, you're always building up your character a little bit. In the original version of Destiny, once you hit level twenty, the light system kicked in, which was you no longer level up from actually doing stuff. There's no longer experience points. It's all based off of gear you collect in the game, mm. and every like suddenly every bit of like weaponry in the game suddenly switches over. So now there's a light rating on each piece of armor. 
and weaponry you get in the game, and in order to level up, you have to have all the, essentially the aggregate number of all the the, the, the light ratings and all your equipment has to be more than a certain level, and that's how you that's how you start leveling up. So suddenly, mm. rather than just like being rewarded for playing normally, yeah. like like any kind of role playing game, it's all just about the quality of this loot. Randomly drops no less, mm. so you have absolutely no control over what you're getting and how you're getting it. Yeah. So you could play for hours on end. And have absolutely nothing to show for it. Yeah. And that killed Destiny for a lot of people, including yeah. me. And I always said if they could always unhook player progression from a land at random loot drops and make yeah. it so that it's actually you can level up like a normal game again, yeah. I would go back to it and that's exactly what they're doing. Hmm. So they're essentially just ditching, ditching that whole system. So I don't actually see what that's like, but yeah, so. I hope you enjoyed the straight up Token King. <laughs> <laughs> the Token King, yeah. Uh, crackdown 3 footage, now with cloud powered rad, excuse me, red faction style destruction. At least an online multiplayer. Yeah, did you see the trailer for this? You never cared about the original Crackdowns. I, I mean, I enjoyed c- collecting orbs. Yeah. So, the trailer, it looks like Crackdown 1, because it's like, the camera pans in, you're mm-hmm. a big, beefy black guy on the top of a building, and it's the same announcer guy. Uh, police officer, you yeah. have to go do this. Yeah. I forget what he called you in like, those original games. But... They show you, like, punching buildings and knocking down buildings, like, single-handedly. So you're doing all the... Like, the orbs and everything looks exactly the same. Yeah. Except now, yeah. So this Red Faction shit where, like, all the buildings are now completely destructible. Mm-hmm. But they didn't specifically say this, but according to, like, the the, the, the kind of, like, the, 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 the small the small type afterwards yeah. is... Um, that's only part... Because, like, they're doing some kind of cloud computing yeah. where, like... So building destruction ability will not be a thing in the single player, but if you yeah. play online, I, I guess it's supposed to be some kind of cloud computing shit. See, that shit. makes sense to me, because in multiplayer, sure, you could destroy the whole city, and then the session ends, and yeah, the that's resets. Because if you, it was a single player game with a destructible city, the game, like, I would play the game, and the game would just be a crater, There's and then also, I'd have to finish the game in the crater, you know? Especially if you can only level up in the main single player game by collecting orbs that yeah. are, like, on top of buildings, yeah. and you destroy those buildings before you collected them, you'd be like... <laughs> Well, that orb is like way up high yeah. there. I can only jump two feet. Yeah. I guess I could never level up in this game again. How does Red Faction handle that? Like, what keeps you from just destroying your building know. in the game? I can't because, remember. Because, well, it was all spread out open world and, like, the levels. Yeah. Like, instead of a big city, it was all just a bunch of little encampments on sure. the surface of the moon. That's true. So it was never, like. And I think maybe things reset after a while. And yeah. so the environments are never that big. Like I said, it really would just be, like, maybe two or three buildings. Yeah. And even, like, oh, was it on the PlayStation 2? Mercenaries kind of did the same thing where mm-hmm. it was, like, again, small, like, not even cities, pretty much yeah. almost like little villages that had yeah. a couple skyscrapers or something like that. Yeah. But it was almost like, like, very limited instances of sure. stuff. Yeah. And again, I think, you, I don't know if things actually did reset in those games, but but it's interesting that, like, it's been a while since anyone's pulled the cloud computing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this would be so much better with cloud computing. With the cloud, yeah. And, of course, everyone's like, well... What if you're hey, the same thing? Everyone is like, well, what if your connection's slow? Yeah. Like, how are you gonna do this? And yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, Crackdown One was great. Crackdown Two was uh, was a piece of shit. I'm assuming Crackdown Three is being made by the same people. I guess that made hmm. the first one because they passed it off to someone else for Crackdown yeah. Two, and it was terrible. I paid for that. One of my biggest gaming regrets in terms mm. of paying full price for a game was Crackdown Two. It was mm. terrible. But uh, scalebound reveal. I didn't. I saw Claire Hubble tweeting about that's this. That's the only I reason I even even cared about this enough to did, look it up and they make a note out of. Yeah, okay. Gamescom trailer. Uh, yeah. Bill notes it's an RPG by Platinum Games, the wonderful 101 and Bayonetta team, where a guy from our world befriends a dragon in a medieval alternate dimension. Yeah. So the trailer starts off. You're like this dude. 
like in jeans and whatever, like running around with the dragon, it's all like dubstep music rather than like you know big. Because you think it'd be like some big medieval music. Like, no, in this one, like you're running around like riding a dragon. It's like that's like what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah. And all I know, it's supposed to be an RPG made by the Platinum Games people in Platinum. That's you really liked Wonderful One Hundred and One, right? I weren't you weren't you addicted to that game? There was a demo for the game. I beat the demo. And I waited in line at PAX to get a copy, a retail copy of the game in advance. Uh-huh. Came home, played uh-huh. it as far as I got into the demo. <laughs> Never played it again. I remember you crowing about how much you liked Wonderful Wild I the demo! <laughs> <laughs> and I have to play it twice! <laughs> I need to go back to it. I'm still... They were giving away one for one one masks that I found in a bag over yeah, there. Yeah, So I need to put on the mask and find that shit up again. There's only four... I remember... Oh, I remember on this very podcast. That was like exactly two years ago. Like two Augusts ago. Growing about, that's so uh, funny. Dude. So yeah. It wasn't uh, a bad game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's that's just, just like, funny. Well, that was a weird game because you're like controlling little minions or like little, yeah. little gangs of people yeah. and stuff like that. It's like really... And it's, it's, the controls were like really unorthodox what you're doing in the game. And yeah, I just... I got distracted. Mm. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, it's but it's weird because this game does not look like it doesn't look very Japanese. It looks look very Western mm-hmm. and kind of like big open world, which uh, mm-hmm. these guys haven't done before. Well, it was interesting if Claire Hummel was helping them with development. Yeah, that's that a good point. They reached out to somebody. She she was involved in a team. There was a team of in uh, Microsoft where they basically just helped develop assets for yeah, exactly yeah all games, even ones that aren't developed necessarily internally. So they must have been. I guess is it like a Microsoft exclusive or something or a timed exclusive? You need to talk and, to Claire and see who at Rare still is online person who's going to be my best friend. It's like, hey, Claire. Exactly. Claire Hummel. Let's just Man, she's too much of a sleeping dragon. I get a little scared of her. I'm like, she's cool, and I want her to be my friend, too. But I don't know if I can you hit what I beat. I'm just like, there's, she would read into me and find out the rottenness of my soul too quickly, and I don't want that on my consciousness. I, I, I'm, more, I'm, more, I'm fine with just appreciating her from afar, because I don't want her rage against me. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, uh, in other words, uh, another news, Ron Gilbert showed off more Thumbleweed Park. Thumbleweed Park? exactly like a slightly evolved Maniac Mansion. Have you actually seen the footage from that? Yeah. Um. I mean, the backgrounds are beautiful. They look like the most beautiful kinds of those kind of adventures. Yeah, if you had like a super but VGA monitor back in the day. This, this trailer, like literally the punchline of this trailer was... I didn't see the whole trailer. Use bag on corpse like the whole like literally the punchline was like it will be some old school bullshit <laughs> and i was like well they even had the, the exact same scum menu and everything yeah. like that dragon like doing all adjectives and stuff i bad, really huh? enjoyed that 20 years ago it's so funny i feel like there some game mechanics you can't go home again and i think mm-hmm. that's why it's like me and my jet force gemini controls were like once you've yeah. evolved it's like basic things like controls and, and like how you interface with a game yeah. once you've evolved past that yeah. there's not really any going back yeah. unless you really hate yourself like my my perfect full throttle sequel would be would be um tim schaefer consulting with telltale yeah. and just have it be just chatty atmospheric bullshit how about a sequel called full frottage <laughs> that's the name of my erotic fan fiction <laughs> uh and finally there's gonna be a dedicated areola Dog fighting mode in Star Wars Battlefield. The best part is Darth Vader wins all fights because he you, no longer has areolas. Do you mean arena? Ariel. <laughs> oh, Ariel. Ariel arena dog fighting <laughs> mode. Yeah. So no, they made it's so it's a dedicated like. I think in one of the original trailers they made it seem like you could just like you'd be yeah. like fighting on foot and then you get yeah. in a spaceship and fly into space. Yeah. 
No, it sounds like the like the it's flying in space mode. stuff is gonna be a separate mode, which makes sense. And I did you delete the actual last thing? I did because that is one of those non-consensual goofs that you don't need. What's <laughs> delicious? Are they not delicious? So it's gonna be like a separate like aerial dogfighting thing. Yeah, and sometimes you can fly the Millennium Falcon. I guess it's like if you get a power like, up or something like that. In the same way, like that they have hero mode in the. I guess so. What you get? It. You've played more of those than I did. So you like? I yeah. played like fifteen minutes. I played ten minutes. <laughs> that's what I'm telling you. So I didn't realize. I watched the video. So that's how they. So that's how in the original versions of these games they got away with like you playing as Darth Vader. You sure. don't play as Darth Vader as the whole round, right? It's just, basically like, like in uh, fucking Modern Warfare, you can call the dogs or like use it. Oh, yeah, exactly. So like you don't like play the Millennium perk. Falcon the whole time. You could just yeah. like. Yeah. It's just like a hitch diddle. Yeah. Everyone, friends, neighbors, pals, buddies, fellow Dwayne the Rock Johnson enthusiasts, this has been the Boy Hattie Podcast. People, you gotta dig up the Great British Bake Off. Tell us who you think is gonna go. The oh distance. my god, I'm so it's so exciting because Foley was like, yeah, but won't it suck to have like Great British Bake Off where you're sad about people being eliminated? I'm like, no, because I want everyone to win. And so it's instead yeah, of like, everyone gets this exposure, and instead of rooting for an asshole to lose and then being disappointed that they stick around, it's just like I'm genuinely invested in everyone in there. I'm rooting for Nadia. She's really great. She has such good expressive she's, eyes. She's she's the lady from Bangladesh with the the the, the thingy on her head man she is fucking hilarious the dad i really like the the beardy dad the beautiful beardy dad what's oh, his oh, name uh um let's find out let's find yeah, out Bill, let's it, find out i let's like everyone of this crew me, me, i, I me, like me, paul me. the humorous Small? yeah, yeah. i feel like... bad for man this is spoilers for the first episode but 53 year old dorit who has been baking for 40 years she's a uh, kind of a uh, light-skinned black lady with like big poofy hair she gets mm-hmm. fucked up in that first episode yeah. it's a heartbreaker it's one of the worst things i ever saw in that show but there's a guy from the Philippines. There's a hot 19 year old. I don't. I don't think she's hot, but everyone else wants to bone her. There's she's ooh. she's mostly upsetting because uh, um, she does not look like she's 19. Years she old. looks older. Dear Lord. She's like if if if, if Kate Beaton was in the Great British Bake Off. There's Ugna. Who's a bodybuilder? Man, a Lithuanian bodybuilder. She looks badass. She's like flexes and stuff. She knows the camera's watching. She'll be like, mm, <laughs> she I have to go. lift this. I have to lift this cake. Mm. No, it's it's it's, it's it's a good squad. Yeah, it's um, a really good crew. It's cute and I just forgot how much I missed Bake Off. It's just so soothing. You got the co-host, like the lesbian lady and the blonde lady, and they're funny and they're just like, good show. What's the name of Sue Perkins' comedy partner? I can't remember name of. Because Sue Perkins is the one I always remember. But the other lady's really funny, too. Who's, who was, who was, um, Leslie Nope's best friend on... <laughs> Ann Perkins? Ann Perkins. <laughs> That's so it should be Ann Nope, <laughs> Sue Perkins' best friend. But yeah, great about GGPPO. Get on that shit. Literally I, download I never, Check I the... never, this is Annie talking to you. I never tell you to pirate anything. Pirate we promise not to talk about it too much. I'm going to try and not to because it's like, here's Only the thing. Only 10 episodes, too. The, the majority of our listeners don't have access to and have to yeah. go out of their way to break laws to consume, and I'm not. If you can bear person. with us until about it's Halloween. so good. Bake off. Yeah. Ugh. So, yeah, I'm hoping not. I mean, I got to go for Nadia. Yeah, I, she, she's my, just because she's the hottest one. See, hunky dad, hunky sweet beard dad. Uh, the Paul guy? No, oh, you're talking about the hunky the... sweet beard dad. He is oh, the not guy with a beard. He is Paul's maybe Paul's got a little bit of a scruffle. He's got Paul has no sense of humor. It's really funny. No, he's, he's a, a robot. That's alarming. He's a prison warden. Sue tries to get a crack, get a spot on him. The guy's just like it's talking to a fucking toilet. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's Tamal. Tamal's the guy you're talking. We would just want to bang all the minorities. Let's put it that way. Bill. Uh, they're beautiful minorities. And beautiful. with that. 
here's the podcast. Straight podcast. I hate this podcast. <laughs> Why do we do this every week? Because I like to see Bill. And so I go through this every week. And you like to, you like to see Bill? And the worst part of it is hanging out with Bill. <laughs> you do this to yourself. Everybody, talk to you next week. We gotta start dressing up like Paul and Mary. <laughs> Actually, I dress like Paul and you dress like Mary. Can you use my nice other pantsuits and little. We're Howdy at BoyHattyPodcast.com, at BoyHattyPodcast on Twitter. Um, BoyHattyPodcast.com. Oh, would make a fantastic super. She would. Yeah. Friends, we'll talk to y'all next week. Okay, take care, guys. Bye. Man, the other thing is, if you want to watch Great British Bake Off, get some cakes, get some cupcakes. Yeah. It's fun to watch that show well, without I'm having some kind of. Because we were talking, we saw Conley and Jimmy last night, and we talked about maybe getting together and watching Bake Off every week, and she would bake whatever they're baking every week. So we could eat it God. and make fun of her soggy bottom while we watch. <laughs> Well, we'll make fun of her soggy bottom regardless. Now this just gives an excuse. And with that, good night, pals. Take care, guys.